Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, July the 16th, 2014, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Steve Say. Verily. And Mr. Bob Ryer. Hello. Um, Where that came from. I uh, Stephanie will not be on the show because I fired her <gasps> because we argued on Twitter. <laughs> um, and then I broke her plane so she couldn't get home from <laughs> Minneapolis. Uh, no, Stephanie is uh, trying to travel uh, right now, traveling home. Um, so very much good luck to her because she's having a lot of troubles as she always does. Can we I mention the name of the airline or are we not Yeah, it's Delta. it's Delta. I totally just pictured you like feeding money to Delta underneath the table <laughs> or meeting in some like shady like alleyway. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a signed copy of Batman number one. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, I went to a toy convention uh, mm. over the past week or weekend or whatever it was. And there was a Batman number one, Scott Snyder, and a Saga number one for a hundred bucks. Whoa! They wanted a hundred dollars, and it wasn't even in like any kind of like special case. It was just in a like a you know regular bag. Yowzer! That's because it was a toy convention, yeah, they, not a comic book. Uh, yeah, I yeah. looked, I looked no at the guy. Way. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" He goes, "What?" I'm like, "Never mind. You, you obviously don't know eBay." Uh, it, um, you never saw it was ten years or so ago, maybe more. It's fifteen uh, when they start putting the CGC things. Mm-hmm. A Spawn number one in a nine point nine. Yeah. 1500 bucks. Yeah. Like, you're serious. Yeah. Someone's going to pay that. Oh, sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> Good luck. Um, so, Seventy will not be joining us tonight, but uh, we have um, Katie, Katie Rex, um, who will be joining us later to talk about um, our topic of the week, which was supposed to only be about the uh, the big shakeup that's going on right now in the Batman universe of books. Um, obviously, the, the, big, the biggest news is the Batgirl um redesign and a new creative team we have a lot to talk about about that there's a, what flew very much on the radar about there's a new catwoman team starting mm-hmm. as well and put that together with what we've got on the, the two new books that were announced previously um and grayson which came out this week and it seems like we, we, there's a big change going on at least in the batman group and we want to talk about what that means for the batman universe and also for the dc universe at large um we also talk about where we think gail simone is going next it's a big secret um so we'll very, talk about secret. That. very secret Secret, uh, really. Se- very, secret. very secret. <laughs> I, I'm not chiming in on this. <laughs> well, we got the, I think we, that's the right we number. Got, we got the right number of them, okay. so it's okay. Uh, so that was all we were going to talk about. Um, and then Marvel, but good for them. They dropped news on a Tuesday, which means we get to talk about it on the show. Because yeah. it had been tomorrow. We'd had to wait a week to talk about it. Um, Marvel announced on the ABC's The View uh, this morning, which will probably be yesterday morning, time you listen to the show, um, that there'll be a new female Thor um and so we're gonna be talking about that as well so we're talking about that with katie and at after the break um but before that we have lots and lots of stuff to talk about we have lots of books to talk about so much stuff so we're gonna get right to talking about our books this week because um i think that topic's gonna take up a lot of time so (laughs) 
<laughs> make sure we have time to talk about our books. Um, so let's uh, let's go into a lightning round here. Bob, you want to start it out for us? Ooh, hold on a minute. Moving papers Thank you for around. not picking me first of all. Sorry, so you were, you were rubbing your eye, so I figured I'd give you a break. That was, man. <laughs> that was not. That was just gamesmanship. Yeah. You didn't want to go oh, first. Oh, so man, my eye hurts. Like, yeah. I was too busy <laughs> counting the secrets from before. Yeah. Were there six of them? There were six of them, yes. Oh, God, beautiful. <laughs> Here we go. Um, all right, Bob, you ready to lightning round? I'm going to try. Lightning round, go. All right, Avengers number 32, which is 5,000 years in the future. Cap meets Franklin Richards, who's still around who tells him everything dies and it's Cap's fault. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, you, you got to love a smart-alecky kid. <laughs> uh, Fantastic Four number seven, James Robinson. The original sin continues to wreak havoc with the core of the series and <laughs> uh, reread Fantastic Four 100th anniversary much better. Winter Soldier, Bitter March number five. It's a tremendous end to what's been a great series, but it is a rather bittersweet ending. Okay. And I'll just leave it at that for those who haven't read it. All right. I can't be off time already. No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> Doc Savage number seven. There's one more of these to go. Uh, Chris Roberson's been doing a great job. Bill Chris Everly. We're now in the present, and there's one story to go in the present. Cell phone technology has been hacked. Doc Savage has a special set of cell phones, so everyone can contact him if they need help. <laughs> Old enemies from the past are, are coming after him, and they're all on the cover. They're all That's after him. That's a great cover. It is. That's, that's a, Alex Ross. That's an awesome cover. <laughs> Scooby-Doo team-up number five. Yeah! With the best Wonder Woman I've read in a couple of years since the last <laughs> animated special. There's a mystery on Paradise Island, so Wonder Woman calls in... Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo and the gang. Of course, Shaggy and Fred can't set foot on Paradise Island. Mm. So, but Jinkies. That, yes, but you know, <laughs> Velma and Daphne take care of business and they become honorary Amazons. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, all New Invaders number seven, J- James Robinson knocks it out of the park with this. This is just another great, this is an original sin issue that doesn't interrupt the flow of this. We, we're back with you know, Radiance, you know, the daughter of the World War II hero. It's about the atom bomb and a new test. Great battle sequences with Neighbor and the Invaders. Just really great, great art in this as well. And this is Mark Laming. Yeah, he li- I think he listens to the show. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I really love this art. It is, again, classic in that it needs to be, but also new. The layouts are amazing. And then there's Captain Marvel number five, which actually has scenes that harken back to where we, this series began, that sort of weird planet trading thing. Just tons of fun. And Carol, based on this cover and some stuff in here, she's damn tired of diplomacy, and it's time to start hitting stuff. <laughs> and it's just a lot of fun. The, the wrap-up is coming in six of... So, this is the one, it'll come out as a trade, one to six, I guess, but this you want to start buying these issues and read them one at a time. That's it. You still have 30 seconds, Bob. Wow. See, I could have thrown in Star Woman, I but we're saving that. Sure. I have a question for Bob's. Sure. Okay. Who is that on the cover of All New Invaders? Radiance. And who is Radiance? She is the daughter of a World War II hero that was part of the Invaders back in the day. Is there a reason that she looks just like an anime character? She's Japanese. That'll do it. <laughs> yes. And so they're, that's, they're playing on that. Mm. Yeah. Was she always drawn like that? This is, she's new. Oh. She's a new character in the last two issues. Oh, okay. Her mom was part of the old days. Do you and like- they were doing a... I've got time now. I'm well, about, I, I, stopped it. I stopped okay. it already. The, her grandmom or mom... I forget, I forget now. Hold it. <laughs> Sorry, Hold it. Yes. You, got me, <laughs> you got me confused. In, in any event, they're doing an experiment to stop from having to invade mainland Japan. They're going to use the superpowers of the invaders to create a tidal wave so they don't have to invade. That's going to wreck everything. Her grandmother, 
I think it's a great, it's got to be a grandmother. Mm-hmm. Anyway, she resists because she doesn't want to kill all these civilians, which starts the big fight. Okay. And because they stopped that experiment, they dropped the atom bombs on Japan. So now Radiance is, is very upset because, well, it's her grandmother who caused the destruction of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Right, I gotcha. So th- this, this story flashes back and forward. We start with uh, Jim Hammond, the Human Torch, being debriefed over the destruction of a shield base, mm-hmm. which I can't say too much about because it's the, it's the punchline of the story. Mm. But it's just, Invaders is all the things that Fantastic Four isn't, and I've said that before, and it really is a shame. This is the James Robinson I loved at DC mm. with the Earth 2 stuff early on, with Golden Age and Justice Society and everything. Great family of heroes, just not translating to Fantastic Four. Now, Steve, I know you mm. have read my pick of last week. Yes. Fantastic Four hundredth. Indeed. Well, well, and? It was fantastic. Okay. It oh, was lovely. Oh, Nicely God. done. <laughs> I didn't even realize I did that. Uh, no, I really, really enjoyed it. For, you know, it broke my heart to jump off of the Fantastic Four run that's happening right now. I'm just not into it. And to have read something like that, it felt cleansing mm. in a way. Uh, it was fun. It was sweet. The artwork is outstanding. Absolutely yeah. love the artwork. And it had all of the the core elements that made that book, you know, made the Fantastic Four my favorite team two years ago yeah. or whatever yeah. it was. Um, I kind of, I, I felt that again in that issue. I really, I, I really do wish they would just hand it over. Yeah, th- those two ladies did a fantastic job. Yeah. Uh, Jen Van Meter and Joanna Eastman. Yeah, great stuff. I mean, if anybody that doesn't read Fantastic Four but has heard us go on and on about it uh, and you just want to get a taste for the Fantastic Four that we've talked about on the show, it's definitely a great uh, issue, one and done, to pick up and read just to get the feel of that team and that chemistry and that family, you know, dynamic that they have. It's really good stuff. Yeah, no, someone uh, put it on the forum and, and said thank you that I yeah. gone crazy about it last um, week. <laughs> super impressed with Joanna Estep's, uh art as well. Yeah. I'm trying to figure that out. You're the art maven more than I. Mm-hmm. Is that done, you think, with pastel pencils? Because oh, it has that, it has that look. Hmm. Didn't we ask her what her process was when we interviewed her at New York City Comic Con? Uh, I'm gonna have to go back yeah, and listen to I'm that. Have to plug, to plug. <laughs> yeah, if you guys want to know the answer to that question, go back, go back <laughs> to that episode. Um, I'm done now. If 30 yeah, extra seconds. Ju- just we're, 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 since we're in this talk about Fantastic okay. Four, Jason Quarry on Twitter just wanted to know what run and issue is number is the previous FF story where Child Protective Services takes Franklin and Valeria. Oh, I, he and I have exchanged letters oh, yeah, today, okay. but okay. I will no, I will throw it out there for everyone else. That particular issue is number 535. It's uh, J. Michael Straczynski. Okay. And it the run begins at 528. Okay, cool. Good to know. Good to know. All right, awesome. All right, Steve, you ready for your lightning round? Yep. All right. No scratching your eyes now. Here we go, and lightning round, go. All right, so Suicide Squad is back. Suicide Squad number one, written by Sean Ryan, art by Jeremy Roberts, and colors by Blonde, and letters by Taylor Esposito. Yeah, You're not good? Yeah. I don't know. I, the new team is um, the Joker's daughter. Stupid name for a villain. Uh, Harley Quinn and company. Black. I'm not going to waste my time going through this. Um, the book is still not very good. I just, I really, it's the third time that I've jumped onto Suicide Squad, hoping that it would be something worth picking up and worth reading. 
And I just, it's more of the same. Mm -hmm. I, I really was hoping that with a new team and a new number one that they would kind of diversify a little bit. And it didn't really hit that mark for me. Okay. Uh, I got to read Legendary Star-Lord number one and Rocket Raccoon number one uh, from a few weeks back, and they were wonderful. Uh, Rocket Raccoon especially, super fun, kind of all over the map in regard of like who it's for. Mm -hmm. I think you could give that to just about anybody, and even if they don't read comics, they'll still have a good time with it. Mm. Um, Spider-Man 2099 from Peter David and Will Sliney. With colors by Antonio Fabella and letters by VCs Joe Carmenga. Uh, this is cool. This is Miguel basically continuing his being stuck in our timeline. He was sent back to kind of deal with stuff regard, uh, regarding Alchemax and the Superior Spider-Man series from Dan Slott. And this is spiraling out from that and just kind of following him around. And somebody from his future has come back to try and bring, not so much bring him back, but to do him a lot of bodily harm yeah. <laughs> by doing so. And um, I just, I'm really enjoying, I, it, it was fun, it was funny, and Will Sliney has definitely uh, upped his skills art-wise, even from Fearless Defenders. Uh, his lines are really clean, everything looks super cool, and I just, I like the attitude of oh, the yeah. book. I think it's a good <laughs> time. Um, it's different than <laughs> the, the amazing yeah. stuff, so I'm really, and it still has retains a little bit from Superior that I feel like I still have a little piece of that world that I really enjoyed and we mm -hmm. haven't just moved past it with Amazing and we're done with it. So I like that aspect. And my last one is Figment from Jim Zub and Felipe Andrade. And damn it. No, you still got time. You still got time. Oh. That was a I forget. Alert. His last name is Bellu. Figment, you guys, seriously, um, it's amazing. If you have, it's an all ages thing. If you have kids, the art by Felipe Andrade is just second to none, gorgeous fantasy stuff. The relationship and the chemistry between Figment and, and his owner and his creator is just wonderful. Uh, worlds like just all kinds of crazy creatures and danger and wormholes and things happening wow. in two different places at once. It's crazy. Uh, I really am looking forward to the rest of the series. I think it's only five long. If you're not going to jump onto it in single issues, definitely pick up the trade when it comes out. Cannot recommend the Disney Kingdom series enough. Uh, between this and Seekers of the Weird, it's been wonderful. Nice. You'd hope to get those covers in a trade paperback, though, because the that's, next, a, that's the, an amazing, The amazing next cover, cover. When, it, when it comes out, will be my cover of the week. It is like just them sitting atop some sheet music. Wow. And, cool. it's, and it's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. So uh, that dog or whatever that is looks awfully like what are the, the things that were a never ending story? What were those? Oh called? yeah, it looks like uh, what the fuck is the flying guy? Oh, Falcor. Yeah, Falcor. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. His his introduction into the comic is is hilarious. It's just it's crazy fantasy stuff. It's Disney, but it's got a like a huge science fiction feel to it. Mm -hmm. Um. And I love the idea of creating something out of nothing and and manifesting entire worlds through the power of imagination mm -hmm. yeah i really like that message that you know it's it's mind over matter and with your mind you can create matter mm -hmm. and that's that's the whole mantra of the book that if you believe you can make it real and i think that's a great message for for anyone that's reading the book uh, right definitely all ages right yeah oh okay. absolutely well 100 percent Cool, awesome. Uh, uh, Spider Man twenty nine nine. I loved the uh, 
the time agents like his like attitude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, look, if you, I don't really care about this. Like, I'm just doing my job. Like, you know, I don't give a crap. I just, I like the the dude <laughs> that came back to to hunt him. Yeah, was funny. Yeah, he was really funny. Like, oh, like oh, he's this big menacing thing, and I'm like, oh, here's another you know hulking, tubed, whatever. <laughs> yeah, and he starts kind of like not so much cracking jokes, but yeah. just the way that he's talking to him about the situation. I'm yeah. like. This guy's actually kind of funny. Yeah. I kind of like him. Yeah. <laughs> were they the TVA? I think they were, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think they That's were. That's from yeah. Walt Simonson when he was doing Fantastic Four. It's the okay. Time Variance Authority. Okay. And, of course, the Fantastic Four, since they break those rules all the time, they get mm-hmm. cold on the carpet, and they actually go to their offices do you ever see the Billy Wilder movie, The Apartment? Oh, he's actually from Totem. Sorry, that's what he oh, okay. is. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Temporal Oversight Team Eliminating Mistakes. Okay. <laughs> it's a very Peter David thing yes. to do. Um, but I love the one where he's like, you know, I can, I could just kill her and then we'd be even. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> all right. He's all right. <laughs> um, I really like the, I don't know her name, but the the little, uh, that, the AI that's oh, inside yeah, of his yeah. wrist thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's cool that he Lay- has Lila. Yeah, yeah. I think it's cool that he has someone to talk to when mm-hmm. he's by himself, and that you know it's not just constant narration. We're not in his head all the time. He's actually having a conversation, and she's kind of sassy for some AI. Yeah, I loved the original stuff when I was a kid. The, I never. The, read yeah, it. Um, I have like nearly the entire Brian like going to give me his comic. Oh. I have nearly like the entire run of the first series. I have number one. I know that. Um, it's really really fun stuff. So it's cool to have it back. When we saw him at the. That was Sunday, I guess. He was at the Marvel panel. Was, uh, Peter David and Chris Claremont, mm-hmm. and he Peter said at one point, "You know, twenty years ago, I was writing X Factor and Spider Man twenty ninety nine, and now twenty years later, I'm writing Spider Man and <laughs> X Factor, and I'm either very consistent or in a rut." <laughs> I think he's doing all right. Just for good, somebody that good at what he does, you know. Yeah, um, you know, he came back pretty well from from his you know his accident, his health yeah. failing, and stuff like that. Um, I'm super. I'm super happy that he's still making comics. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah. All right. So my turn for some t- two. Uh, my lightning round. Sorry. Oh, and speaking of Disney and Marvel stuff, um, they just announced that uh, Star Wars: The Original Marvel Years Omnibus they're putting out. Ooh. Yeah. Hmm. Star Wars n- number one through forty-four, and then first annual, in January twenty fifteen. Cool. Yeah. First one was one of the original direct market. Oh, really? Books, interesting. Yeah. And very interesting. All right. Here we go, lightning round. So my first is um, Thor and Loki: The Tenth Realm, number one, uh, by Jason Aaron and Al, Jason Aaron and Al Ewing, uh, Simon Bonacci and Lee Garbert on the art. Um, it's mostly Lee Garbert. There's only about two pages that are Simon Bonacci, and it's kind of a different era time, like a different uh, dimension oh. that they used to change up the art. Um, so if you've been enjoying um, a Loki agent of Asgard. I feel like from what I haven't read all of Thor the the God of Thunder, but I feel like this first issue especially has more of the tone of the Loki agent of Asgard. It has a little bit more yeah. of that kind of freewheeling, uh, lighthearted tone. Um, it, it doesn't really have any Angela in it at all in this first issue. Um, it's just really them. It's basically th- Thor when he's in the the realm of that eyeball that blows up. He sees you know uh, a baby. And a, a sister that he had, and he goes to confront uh, Frida about the baby, and they have like kind of a very classic kind of father, you know, son mother argument, and um, he you know basically goes, I'm gonna go to the one person who will help me, and he and he goes and gets Loki, mm-hmm. uh, and immediately it's also it's still dealing with all of the stuff between them, it's still dealing with all of Loki's 
issues that are happening right now. Um, but it seems like it's going to be a whole hell of a lot of fun. Um, it seems like it's going to be kind of a twisting plot. I was really, really happy. It's a real, for somebody that's reading both, it's a really good mix. Cool. That's awesome. That's good. And I got the first two trades of Thor God of Thunder. So I'm excited to to check it out. They're so amazing. Um, Daredevil number five, Chris Samney, Mark Wade, Javier Rodriguez. Um, uh, it, it, it could very well be in the top three issues of the series. I think so so far, um, there is a there's a moment, a panel at the, at the end of the book that nearly made me start weeping. Um, you know, I mean, I'm showing by without any context. I, I, I read it. You read yeah, it? I yeah. I read it in the story. Yes, it's amazing. Um, Which one? The very end, yeah. like the next to the last panel of the of the entire book. Um, and it, it's, you know, basically you find out what happened to Foggy, why people think he's dead and, yeah. and what's going on. And it does this really wonderful thing where, and Mark Way has been really good about this the whole time when he gives other perspectives, what the core and essence of Matt Murdock and who he is, both the good and the bad and what it equals up to. And I think it's a great character portrait of Matt Murdock and Daredevil. Really, really beautiful stuff. Um, and finally, The Life After, number one, with uh, by Joshua Helfiakov, art by Gabo, um, <laughs> uh, lettered by Crank. Uh, it's um, it's in a purgatory story, basically. It's, it's someone who is forced to relive day after day after day, and he tries to break out of that. He tries to break out of the cycle that got him to where he was, and the world kind of goes insane. But he ends up kind of meeting another person like him who went against the grain as elements of all that stuff as elements of also kind of like a Truman show type of situation or like a cabin in the woods type of situation as well. Um, where, you know, they are in purgatory, but there's someone pulling the strings, but, mm-hmm. but behind the scenes, something that keeps them the way they are. It isn't just like a natural spiritual state. Mm-hmm. Um, really interesting. See, what do you think of it? It reminds me a little bit of midnight in Paris. Woody yeah, Allen's midnight yeah, in yeah, Paris yeah, yeah. meets uh, multiple warheads. <laughs> It's, yeah, the multiple warheads thing, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Just the the especially from the cover. Yeah, you know, just that that wild art. Um, I mean, we got you know historical characters showing up, and all of these strange animals and people and beings and stuff showing up in this purgatory. And uh, I, I mean, I'm I'm picking it up on on premise alone. Um, our good friend Rob actually uh, threw me this book, knowing that I would enjoy mm-hmm. it, and uh, I'm really glad that he did because it was kind of cool. I, don't know, I was pouring through at the store, and I opened it up, and there was Ernest Hemingway for some reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> with a shotgun. Okay. Yeah, well, plane. he, you know, he didn't end well. No, um, it was really great, though. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I've I've been really enjoying Josh Elfiakov's The Bunker as well. Um, he just seems to be really good at these kind of weird, offbeat type of stories. Very interesting book. I really loved. Um, I mean, you guys on the show can't see, it, but mm-hmm. there's a there's a moment where someone's being kind of beamed up. Yeah. And um, just the the blues that they used, it's very, very uh, visceral and Mm. just gorgeous. Yeah, the art is gorgeous, too. The Gabo art is is beautiful. Um, Really good stuff. If you're into something a little, little, you know, heady and with with some definitely intelligence and cleverness behind it, but also, it's also silly. It also has like a ridiculousness to it as well. Mm -hmm. It's a great mix of of those two formats. It's it's good stuff. Definitely check it out. uh, Bob, you were saying that you read the Daredevil issue. I just wanted to... Yeah. yeah I read that. <laughs> Don't want to spoil for people who haven't yeah. caught back up yet, but just what you're saying, it's Matt trying to do the right thing with a Foggy who's very ill, yeah. struggling, mm-hmm. trying to get him to do what he needs to do, that, that Henry Pym moment. Yeah, that is great. Yeah, yeah. Who, I never would have thought of that. That's just a brilliant <laughs> little piece of writing. Yeah. And that, that It's Avengers 93, the, Henry Pym, it's one of the Neil Adams Kree Scroll mm-hmm. War issues, goes inside the vision to try to fix him. Mm-hmm. So instantly, I'm sure 
Mark and I are the same age. He's got the same thing I do. Yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't he do that? Couldn't you go and yeah. pick someone who's sick by throwing Ant-Man into the mix? Yeah. Just really between them, you know, Foggy's got a flintiness to him now because he's aggravated. Mm, yeah. He's sick and doesn't want to be and it's all coming apart. It's, it's different Foggy than we're used to seeing. Yeah. And Matt's trying to understand but gives back a little bit. Yeah, here and yeah. There. It's, it's a lot of fun and he provides him a moment. Yeah. They have sort of, in this issue, I feel like they have a very kind of... Um, Sherlock Holmes, kind of James yeah. Watson, perfect. You know, um, the relationship t- together. Um, yeah, I, I, and I love that. It's, it's a classic Mark Wade in this run moment, and uh, uh, only these images that Chris Samney can do. The image I talked about earlier, but also this point where, you know, Daredevil is fighting this the Leaper or whatever, yeah. and you know he realizes that the Leaper has put a bomb in, in, in his suit and that is going to go off, and his face goes from completely terrified to this kind of very wry clever smile and you just don't know why but it's just so subtle and you know that there's something cooking in his head he just figured it out yeah and so it was really really cool um great stuff i mean it just continues to be fantastic i i i don't think that they've done an issue that hasn't been great in this entire run so um kudos to them and if you guys aren't reading daredevil make sure you start reading it (laughs) i don't know how more it's really amazing it's on every best of list yeah the sales are good yeah spectacular but everyone's i'm sure having a blast month after absolutely, month yeah. more people should discover it absolutely absolutely all right so let's go on to our books uh, of the week bob uh, what do you got for us this week well let's see let's <laughs> see we've got a whole pile over here where would where should we begin actually we'll do this we'll do this first and come back to that okay all right only because steve has one of those over there <laughs> So, because of all the Batgirl news, I've gone Batgirl crazy, which included watching the finale of Birds of Prey and some Yvonne Craig Batgirl and some cartoons and Gotham Girls and the whole thing, because I'm getting, I get nostalgic. Yeah. So... You had reasons to get excited this week. Yes. So... And be nostalgic. Exactly. So you can look backwards yeah. and forwards at once, which is always so much fun. So what we have here, this is Batgirl 33, and it's Gail Simone, Fernando Passerine, Jonathan Glapion, and Matt Ryan on inks, blonde on colors. Mm-hmm. Now, it seems like there are full credits on this DC there book. There are, yeah. With colorists. There, there very much uh, are, yeah. And all, which it I has haven't begun. seen before. But not the letter was Desi Sine. But yeah. next, time, next time around. <laughs> Now, this picks up from last issue where Barbara has started to call in favors. She called in the Black Canary to help her because Nightfall, she wants the criminals out of town or wants them all dead. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, it's great if you're the Punisher, but not so hot right. in Gotham City. And yeah. Barbara's not too thrilled. So when you've got an army, as she does, the Nightfall is an army of characters called the Disgraced who can do all sorts of terrible things. They have mm-hmm. superpowers and indestructible, all sorts of craziness. You need your own army. So she's called in Black Canary, and into this drops the Huntress, who says, well, I'm not from around here, because it's not... Mm. It's the Earth 2 Huntress. Right, yeah. So it, it's Helena Wayne. Now, this meeting doesn't start well, because Barbara sees her in Nightfall's purple and black colors, and instantly just slugs her. <laughs> and I mean slugs her. This, <laughs> it, 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 it's... Um, it's a bit much to take, and if all you did is pick this issue up and open to these first couple of pages, it's pretty intense. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's amazing, though, as we go on, it's the Black Canary who stops her from doing it. Uh, stop it. She's not with them. Can't you see that? Uh, Barbara's, you don't know. How can we know that? Because Ms. Normally Pretty Rational, she's covered in weapons, but she's not fighting back. Mm. 
<laughs> so details. But then one of my highlight moments in, in, in the last year or so of truncated, weird Batgirl stories, we're, we're actually picking up our thread that's moving forward to the Gail Simone's finale here. The next panel is it's just thought captions, in essence. They don't use thought balloons anymore. She's right. When did Batgirl become that girl? The girl who strikes first and never thinks. Mm. Nice little character stuff. Mm. And so we get to put this team together. We have some interesting cameos. One uh, of a more recent character. I'm I'm, going to let people discover this for themselves, too. I don't want to see it. I haven't read it yet. Do you care? (laughs) I don't care. No, no. Oh, wow. Yeah, there we go. And one... One subtle one. Oh, the, oh, did I miss that page already? <laughs> I'm not looking. And oh yeah, look at that. Mm-hmm. Look at that. <laughs> and so book filled with just really great stuff. We get to see Alyssa Yao, her roommate again, who is the key to Barbara finding a lead in this case, where she can finally do something to strike back. She's putting her own team together, and now we're moving toward. Gail's doing three more issues. I think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, no, it's two more. Wait, no, you... 34. No, one more. No, I thought, oh, only 30, one more? I think 35 is... Oh, I thought October was the new team. So maybe that's 36. I think she ends with 35. Okay, so, yeah. Yeah, so maybe think. it's two I more. I could be wrong. Maybe they're taking a break? I'm going to look. Yeah. I don't know. Let's see. What we have here, though, this is... Gail, someone's writing on this book at its best. Where The mood is lightning. There's hope in Barbara Gordon's Gotham City. Finally, after lots of bad stuff, even though her dad's in jail, because what's going on in Batman Eternal that I don't know about? I don't have no idea. I haven't read okay. it. I don't know either. Yeah. Well, he's in jail, apparently. I oh, oh Jim that. Gordon? No, that happens yeah. at the very beginning. Yeah, he gets blamed um, for this train crash. Yeah, there's like a trail, uh, train derailment. And he gets blamed for it. Oh. Um, yeah, when he's apprehending a, a, a suspect, um, he, he shoots... And he shoots out like the box behind the guy's head, and and they think that's what happened with the, the train crash. Batman is like, "There's no way it's your fault." So yeah. you know, it's they're yeah. trying to figure that. But that's what happened. Yeah. No. Uh, I will also mention while I'm here, though, they'll come up again later. Uh, Batgirl Year One, mm. which mm-hmm. is very much in keeping with what's coming later. But for those people really interested in Batgirl, there is a lovely from DC came out a couple of years ago. The greatest Batgirl stories ever told. which goes all the way back to her first appearance, the million-dollar debut of Batgirl in Detective 359. (laughs) The Scarecrow actually looks like the Scarecrow from uh, Wizard of Oz. There is a Scarecrow appearance in here, (laughs) but I'm not telling. So, yeah, it is. I guess it's only one more. She only has one more issue. Okay. 34 is the last issue. So that's the big finale of Batgirl. Mm. But if you want some history, there's that, and you want year one. Mm. Moving on, moving on, it is Nightcrawler number four. Uh, Chris Claremont, Todd Nock, Rachel Rosenberg, and letters by Joe Sabino. Now, <laughs> here we go. We're going to roll up the sleeves. Because this brings this the first arc of this new series to a really sort of what they used to call a senses-shattering conclusion. Because what we have here is a long-time subplot that's also simultaneously providing a springboard for tons of new stuff. You've read this one. Yes, I've read Okay, it. Yes. okay. Because <laughs> it's just classic... Claremont, where one thing ends, you know, it's percolated along, risen up, comes down, and moves forward. And the move forward, it's it's shocking. I, I didn't expect that. I really thought we were going somewhere else. So that's 
pretty amazing. So what do you have here is Kurt and Amanda Sefton, his longtime girlfriend from years and years ago, who's a sorceress, and her now bad lady mom, Margali, she wants power. What do all supervillains want at some <laughs> level? They want power, and it's got to do with her daughter and Kurt and the X-Men. She's come to the, is it the Jean Grey school now? Well, there's, there's two of them, but uh, Jean Grey School, I'm guessing okay, if it's the, the one in Westchester. Yes, the Jean, the well, Jean Grey School. She shows up with a, an, her army of Trimega robots looking to just wreck the joint and steal <laughs> what she needs to steal. Big battle sequences, but that doesn't detract from the great emotion that's within the story. Character moments. Psylocke has some great bits. Wolverine is seems like, well, look, it's Claremont running. It's Wolverine. <laughs> it's the Wolverine I'm used to reading. <laughs> Uh, Paige Guthrie from the New Mutants and all of, from all the way back manages to find a way. Cecilia Reyes, who was she was a dance teacher, if I remember back. Kitty Pride's dance teacher back, <laughs> and uh, I think she is some kind of a mutant in the last twenty years in between. But she was actually a dance teacher. If I'm if I remember, please correct me if I'm wrong out there in Radio Land. <laughs> this is the art is amazing. That there's some spectacular other dimensional stuff. There's a moment where something very bad happens to Storm and the Beast, and I'll just leave it at that. That okay. um, it is. Oh, where's that? Oh boy, that's a bad thing to happen to you. Yes. Yeah. So we'll, we'll just leave. We're it doing that. a lot of great radio today. Yes, we a lot are. Of pointing yes, we to are. Panels I'm and pointing to panels. They, shall, can I say it? Look, <laughs> they, they, they'll get better. They get turned into basically a series of pieces of paper and photographs. It's the essence of their lives strewn out on the floor. Mm-hmm. What a great representation mm-hmm. of something being sh- scattered to the wind. Mm-hmm. And we, the colors here, the, the the other dimensional stuff, we got lots of bamps going on, but <laughs> this is just a, a book that I thought I was going to like out of nostalgia, and I just like because it's a really great comic series. So far, Nightcrawler has been more than I could have expected. I really, really love this book. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome stuff. All right, so we got Nightcrawler number four mm-hmm. and Batgirl number 33. 33. Plus Batgirl year one and uh, the best Batgirl stories so ever told. The greatest or, Batgirl stories ever told. Ever told. We'll be talking about those later. I'm sure I'm we sure. will. I'm yeah. sure we will. Uh, all right, so Steve, what yes. do you got for us? So tell, me about, tell me about the spread first, or just spread, not the spread. All right, well, spread is a new book from Image, number one. It just came out last week. Uh, co-created by Justin Jordan with Kyle Stram, script by Justin Jordan, art by Kyle Stram, <laughs> colors by Felipe. Here we go, Felipe Sobrero. I think so. Sobrero. Yeah. Letters by Crank. Mm-hmm. We're just gonna go with Sobrero. You gotta roll those R's more. So, Sobrero. What? <laughs> you have been watching the World Cup, obviously. With this. <laughs> I haven't been watching the World Cup, but I've been, I've been playing the World Cup. I bought, I bought FIFA this past week. Um, so this book kind of reminds me a lot of, uh, we're getting into, we said when The Wake came out, that it almost felt like a John Carpenter type thing. Mm-hmm. This feels like a the, his movie, The Thing, mm-hmm. that he did, like a spinoff of that. Mm-hmm. Um, the situation is this. The world has gone completely to hell, and something called The Spread, which is this... I guess, infection that is making its way around the world, killing everything in sight is this massive red tentacled, many mouthed with jagged teeth thing that it's like living in the earth. It's living in the trees. It's everywhere you go. And there's this one guy by the name of No, who seems to be immune to the spread. And in his travels, 
this plane goes down and he goes basically to salvage what he can from the team and, and the plane wreckage and just whatever he can find. And uh, on his way, he ends up meeting a woman who is basically at her at her end and pleads with him and begs him to keep this package safe that she was holding. And she said, you know, these thugs took him, took her and, and, and ran. He's like, what do you mean? Comes comes upon them a little bit later, does his thing, bit of carnage, bit of blood, a bit of action. And we come to find out that there's a small child inside of this satchel. And you now have your setup where she is she's her she's a representation she is hope there's something about the child i'm not going to ruin it there's something about the kid that is basically going to help end the spread if all goes well um what i really liked about the book first of all i really enjoyed the art by kyle stram i love monsters in comics i love like horrific things if that thing was coming after me mm-hmm. i would shit myself and then i would die mm-hmm. so Really, really enjoyed that. I love these like stark, barren, like Antarctic winter scenes where it just seems like there isn't anything around for miles. Very desolate. Um, lots of danger. Uh, very curious as to why No is not able to be infected by the spread. So that's something that's going to keep me reading. I want to know what's so special about him. And uh, I really like the perspective of the book. It kind of pulls a saga where the story is being told from the child's perspective. Um, so that's really unique. I mean, not, they've, they've done that before, but it's still a fun perspective to play with and to get the story from. So really enjoyed that. And, um, just one of those new image books that looks like it could be a good time. Yeah. I liked it. Definitely. I think that, I mean, I feel like now writers and artists are trying to come up with new ways to do kind of the zombie apocalypse without Mm -hmm. using zombies anymore because they've been used so many times. And I think kind of using that John Carpenter, H.P. Lovecraftian type of stuff. I think I also think that the H.P. Lovecraft stuff is gonna is gonna soon be kind of the new zombie, zombie? thing. I think that's yeah. definitely yeah. coming. Um, I think it's pretty soon too. We're gonna be saying, "Geez, what are they gonna do in one that's not you know <laughs> these giant monsters and stuff like that?" But uh, the, the the visuals are unbelievable and, and terrifying. You know, it's yeah. all you know eyeballs made of teeth and, and all this stuff, all the really disturbing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the kid and everything, I think is cool. It is very saga. Yes. You know, and, um, and not that that's a bad thing. You can't do the same thing twice and it'd be great. Um, you know, I think sometimes originality in those ways is overrated because sometimes doing something in that style can make you more inventive in other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but being so close to saga yeah. and being from the same publisher, it's sort of, it's, it was sort of a weird revelation uh, to me. But we don't know how long that'll last. No, right? we don't. We absolutely don't. Um, I think the main character has a you know one of the, kind of that you know um, disgraced samurai Japanese Wolverine feeling to him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Where he obviously he's a good person, but he doesn't. He wants to live, and he'll do. He'll do what he needs to do to survive. Yeah. I think all that stuff worked pr- pretty well. Um, yeah, it was definitely cool. It's one of those things though where I don't know if it's the type of book that I'm going to pick up month to month. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that it's one of those. I'd like to check it out maybe one more just mm-hmm. to make sure that it's going in a, you know, forward direction and that the story is going to I want there to be more to the spread. I don't want it just to be, you know, a virus or an entity right, that's yeah. cuz I need I need it to be a little bit more than that. Um, but I really I do like the kind of near silent protagonist thing mm-hmm. that it's got going on and I just 
I love counting the amount of times that they managed to work in the word no yeah, into the book. Yeah. So I what, found that to be pretty entertaining. What's yeah. to do with Mr. Squiddy on the cover? Uh, I believe that that's just a toy. This is his toy, yeah. 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 Keep her occupied. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's spread number one. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. You know, Definitely. if you're looking for, for something weird sci-fi and can't get enough of, you know, original material coming out of Image, then uh, pick it up and give it a go. It was only three fifty. Mm. So, hooray. And main book of the week. I'm surprised by this. Really? Yes. Told you it was good. I know. And everybody did. (laughs) Uh, The book I'm talking about right now is Injustice, Gods Among Us. Uh, I picked up volume one. And let's see who we got here. We got Tom Taylor writing and a whole mess of artists. Do I have to read all these It's a lot of artists. Should I read them? No, you don't have to read all of them. All right. Well, the top two guys are the main or do the most. All right. So Jeremy Rapak, Mike S. Miller, Bruno Redondo, Axel... Jimenez, I'm just going to read them all. Okay. David Yarden, uh, Tom Derenick, Mark Deering, uh, Diana Ige, I guess. Uh, Andrew Elder. Uh, you did it to yourself. I know yeah. I did. No Alejandro sympathy. Sanchez, David Yarden. I'm trying to be fair. David Lopez and Santa Casas and Akiri Studio Colorist with yeah. letters by Wes Abbott. Okay. The reason there's that many artists, by the way, is because it is released originally as a digital series, so it would come out weekly. Okay. So they were switching artists a lot to you know keep up with it. All right. So before I give my thoughts, let me ask you a question. You've yeah. read this. Yeah. Okay. Is this the plot from the game? Pretty much. Yeah. It's It, ha- it doesn't happen... I, I, it doesn't really recount the exact events of the game. It re- it recounts kind of what happens leading up to I think the 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 hmm. the beginning of the game. Okay. Yeah. Because the game deals with people from the real, you know, from the real DC universe, okay, ending up in this parallel dimension and okay. and, and trying to fix it. And this is kind of the way it got so messed up. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't played much of the game. I haven't gone on YouTube to watch the, the cut scenes with everything mm. taken out or anything like that. But uh, I'd heard really good things, both, you know, from, from Bobby and from our friend Rob the last time yeah. I was inside the shop. And I was looking at season two, and I'm like, wow, I'm like, they're already at, like, issue number seven on the second half. And he's like, he's, he's like, you didn't read the first one? I was like, no. He's like, mmm. <laughs> I said, what is that? And he goes, really good it was one of the best books that dc's putting out right now so in my effort to put more dc stuff on my pull list because it's gotten really thin lately uh i decided to order this and give it a go and holy hell it's <laughs> really really good yeah like everybody that told me to read it and has been you know championing this book for a while they were not kidding uh if you don't know the setup of it superman is basically gassed with a kryptonite laced um scarecrow serum or potion mm-hmm. or whatever yeah um and winds up uh, he, he kills he kills the joker mm-hmm. after something he he sees something with lois if you haven't read it i don't want to really ruin well, it's it the much. beginning it's the whole setup for the thing all right it's a really i mean you don't have to spoil it but it's like a really it's a really intense thing that happens all right. at, at the beginning basically the worst possible thing that you could imagine superman doing when he was crazy he does it um and it drives him and completely mm-hmm. mad yeah. you know it, it it completely it makes him basically go i've been doing this wrong you know it, i was trying to fix the world by making them aspire to be me no i'm gonna fix right. the world by just c- conquering it basically is what the, the right. is. yeah now normally when you know when i'm reading dc stuff and and some of the the fatigue that i've had in the past um especially with marvel stuff 
are heroes fighting each other. Mm. And it seemed like for the past like two years that that was all we were getting for a while. Mm. And so here's yet another story where heroes against heroes and stuff like that. But it's written in such a way that because I know that it's removed from the continuity yeah. of the universe that I could accept it as just a story and just mm. what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely easier for me to digest the the violence and the, the circumstances and the consequences and all of that stuff much, you know, much easier. But um, they, Tom Taylor does a really good job of setting up the reasons that these characters go to these lengths to mm. go up against each other and how they're, they each stand for something specific. And it just so happens that the dominoes that are falling are those precise things that set them off. Yeah. And when it's written like that and it comes off in that way and it's tailored to just be this tremendous story with a purpose, it... it really really compelling yeah absolutely um it's kind of weird i i feel kind of back and forth about some of the wonder woman stuff i really feel like he got the character spot on in parts and then there are other times where i'm suspicious Mm -hmm. and i feel like i don't maybe there's something going on with her that i don't know of yet because they're in the beginning she's very very wonder woman and i'm Mm -hmm. talking like greg rucka classic you know, using diplomacy instead of her sword and stuff. But as the story goes on, she kind of goes farther and farther into the dark side that I'm almost wondering if it's either not her or if there's something going on that I don't know know about from season two or volume two or whatever. Right. I mean, I think it's just, you know, it's like an Elseworlds story. Yeah. You know, it's just kind of like, it, it. really the story is dealing with like, what is the worst possible outcome for these people? You know, what what would drive, like you said, what would drive them yeah. to do exactly what all of kind of the villains or like the villains like, like they're, we're warning about for all of those years? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so there's still some. There's, there's, there's a wonderful, like, bizarre, like, perfect team between Harley Quinn and... I was just going to get to that. Yeah, between Harley Quinn and Green Arrow. That is such a bizarre team up. Mm. But of people who don't are not following along with this, you mm-hmm. know, what Superman is doing. Honestly, this is, I mean, I, I dropped off of, unfortunately, the Jimmy Palmiotti and mm. Amanda Connor Harley Quinn. This is the best Harley Quinn that I've seen since the start of the new 52. Mm. Um, she's got, I mean, he's got, he's got the, the dialogue, right? She's funny. She smashes Green Arrow with the squeaky hammer. Yeah. <laughs> Hysterical. The whole, you know, nobody should have to explain a fake mustache <laughs> and just all these silly little things and her her having a crush on the green arrow. Yeah. Um, hysterical stuff. I, I really enjoy her character. That she's one of my favorites, and she's one of my favorites when she's being funny. And in this, she's an absolute riot. Yeah. So um also one more thing to add. It's you know, crazy, it's fast paced, it's violent, people are fighting. Every now and again, at least like once an issue or maybe once every issue, I couldn't find the panel before. That's what I was flipping mm. through and Bob was talking. There was one panel that like I'm reading and it's like all like, you know, punchy, punchy and blood and who's going to die next and this. And then all of a sudden there was this moment between Wonder Woman and Superman where she was talking to him about what was going on and just the connection that those two characters share. And it actually like you feel this this history, even though the DC 52 continuity hasn't been going on for Mm. too long, it's like it was pulling from the past, you know, Mm. 50 odd years or whatever. And I like stopped in my tracks. And like you said, you got, you got choked up. I didn't get choked up, but like my, my chest kind of like heaved a little bit. I was like, Oh, Mm. Oh God, what was that? (laughs) What was that in the middle of all this carnage? Right. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I moved on from it, but wow. 
Um, and an awesome, I, I don't want to spoil it, what an awesome dig from Alfred uh, to Superman when <laughs> Superman's visiting the Batcave. <laughs> so good. And who would have thought that in another life that Ares might have been the god of ponies? <laughs> so yeah, uh, Injustice. I don't know if I'm going to be able to find the single issues of uh, season two or volume two, whatever it yeah. is. Uh, I hope that I can because I really don't think that I can wait for the trade to come mm. out for this because if it's going to be another four to six months, yeah. there's no way. Yeah, It's interesting, right? I mean, you can also get, always get them uh, digitally, obviously. Yeah, but I don't, I don't really I know, digital. but I'm just saying. Um, your computer will be fine. I know. I need to get over that. Yeah. Um, it's Tom Taylor is, is just a really good writer and he, he knows how to, like you said, he has a way about him of taking these situations that seem overly oppressive and, and damaging and dark and you know addressing the the severity of them but somehow them not feeling so oppressive mm-hmm. you know the violence doesn't feel oppressive and he and and it's funny because when he took over earth 2 the earth 2 was kind of in that situation and he he's slowly starting to dig them out of it right now um but he's done exactly with earth 2 which i feel like he does with injustice which is he he does all the big crazy stuff but he has you know that very good core in the middle of it that that is that is pretty is is really really powerful yeah i mean i totally judge this book by its cover it Mm. had that you know coming from a video game stigma kind of like the the comic covers that you see of arrow where it's you Mm. know actually was steve amell yeah steve amell yeah yeah where it's like you know just regular people standing Mm. i i iron man thor Mm. i I hate those covers it makes me not want to read the book uh, but after hearing so much about this, I decided just to break down and buy it, and I am so glad that I did because it was awesome. Cool, awesome, yep. awesome. Um, so, Injustice Volume One and the Spread Spread Number One. Sorry, it's not right. the you Spread. Can, you can I'm gonna keep the... saying the every freaking time. Um, all right, so my books of the week. So, I've had Dick Grayson on my mind this week quite a bit. Um, so <laughs> I. You know, we, we had joked about, we had talked about the announcement of Grayson, uh, number yeah. one, before we knew it was going to happen by the end of um, Forever Evil. The, obviously, the, I think, poor ads in, in the books yes. that have come out really, I think, gave me a, a large amount of skepticism about the book itself. Um, and so I picked it up, you know, wanting to read it, wanting to know what it was and kind of have an idea of it. I wanted to talk about it on the show. Wasn't sure how I was going to like it. But I have to say that. Uh, Tim Seeley, who is is the writer um, and does plot with Tom King, uh, the artist is Mikkel Janin, colors by Jeremy Cox, uh, and Carlos M. Manguel is the letterer. I, I want to say that I, they knocked it out of the park for me. Oh. Um, the the tone really really surprised me. For one, um, it's very um, fun. It's very it's very James Bondish, Ooh. you know, caperish, like kind of swaggery secret agent type of thing you just said like three of my favorite words there you go <laughs> and i also even got a sense and not that i'm trying to obviously not rub, rub into this but i got that kind of um a little bit of that avengers sense like the steed of mrs yeah. peel feeling to it sometimes with the way that they're going about um and who with the bad guy was and stuff like that it had some of that very 60-ish vibe to it at Excellent. times um it's a, it's uh basically um there's a person on a train that is a, a valuable asset much the way actually the bitter march starts out and there is multiple kind of factions going for this person on the train. Um, and one of them is Dick Grayson with his partner and another is a, you know, a rival organization. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. It's fast. And it's interesting. The art by Mikkel Janin is beautiful. He was the artist on, um, Justice League dark for, I think the, all the way through when Jeff Lemire left the book, I believe Okay, he was the artist on, on, on that book. 
um, some really really cool ideas, some crazy stuff. I always I love the way they do like the acrobatics that Dick oh, does. I love that when you see like the many silhouettes of people jumping and yeah. like, flipping around. Yeah, I love when they do that because it it really emphasizes what he does. You know, it's it's great because you know we we talk a lot about you know when we talk about Dick Grayson how he doesn't have he has pain in his past but he's learned to overcome it. He's not the he's not the frowning hero he's the smiling hero and that's all through here as well um it's also very interesting um some good a good fight um as well and then very interesting uh what kind of the hook of the book is and what he's doing and where why he's doing it because he ends up he's working for spiral um which is not a very nice organization in the batman mm. featured heavily in the um the grant morrison batman stuff which got me excited for one thing um you know a very kind of tri- trippy organization that was trying to end the world um and it seems like dick is now kind of working for for them um and you find out why l- later on in, in the book so there's a little bit of double agent stuff going mm. on as well very very cool very fun uh, you know i i had a blast reading it and reading it made me want to go back and read some stuff with him as Batman because he had a very short time as Batman when Bruce was gone after final crisis. Um, great in the Grant Morrison stuff. Like I said, the Batman and Robin stuff. Um, and I've already read that stuff and I've been trying to read, um, stuff I hadn't read that I've been meaning to read every week, at least one thing. So I went back and I picked, I was, I had a Batman, the black mirror, nice. which is by Scott Snyder, um, art by jock and, uh, Francesco Francavilla. Um, this is right before the new 52. Um, Scott Snyder was doing detective, and then moved over to Batman for the new 52. Um, and this this features uh, Dick as Batman with... Um, the, no, Bruce has already returned, and he's kind of putting together Batman Inc., but he's going around the world, so Bruce, Dick is remaining as, as Batman. Um, no Damien in, in this book at all. Um, in fact, most of the time you see Dick, he's with... Um, uh, Red Robin. So he's with uh, okay. Tim Drake most of the, whenever you see him with someone. But mostly he is um, on his own... Um, but there's a lot of we were talking about Barbara before. There's a lot of Oracle stuff here. She's obviously when she was still Oracle and featured heavily in Batman's life, and some really great stuff in here with her. It's 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 as much a Commissioner Gordon story as it is a Batman story. And and I think I think Scott has actually talked about it on the show when he's here. But Black Mirror, it is the story of basically two sons of Gotham. It's Dick Grayson and it's James Gordon Jr. and how they are essentially mirror black. He's the James Gordon is the black mirror of what Dick Grayson is, Hmm. you know, um, horrible things have happened to both of them. Um, but you know, um, James represents all of the bad that can come from Gotham and Dick represents all the good things that can come from the city. And obviously now that you're reading the 52, James Gordon has been a villain several times in, in, in a few of the books. Um, he is a messed up, scary villain and written, written by Scott Snyder, especially so, um, because he's so, because he, he, he's a psychopath and he plays completely, you know, on, um, the, 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 the passions of his father and the good of other people to let him get away with the things he wants to get away with. Now the book mainly deals in the fact that, you know, is, is he the bad guy? Is he not the bad guy? You know, you get, you, you know, when the moment he pops up if you've been following the comics that he is, he's obviously unsavory fuck and Barbara doesn't trust him for a second. And you know, his dad wants to trust him, but it's, he, 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 his cop nature, it gets the best of the times as well. Um, it, it also features a very small snippet of the Joker in a really terrifying form. Um, but it's a great, great Batman detective story. And there are moments in it. I, so few, even, you know, even Snyder stuff now, except for a couple issues here and there, 
has been much more focused on kind of the operatic big plots um, and it's been fantastic. But the thing that I always lament is that we don't get more Batman being a detective. And in this book, you get lots and lots of Batman being a detective. Um, it's moody and it's, and, and it's and intense and it can be very scary at times. Um, but it's about this man just trying to be the best he possibly can. Oh, my power is flickering. Uh-oh. I don't know if anybody can hear the, the crazy thunder outside. This goes, we're going to talk about Thor. It's true. It's true. He's angry. <laughs> <laughs> don't take my hammer away. <laughs> Let me ask you a question about, yeah. about um, not specifically on. about that, mm. but about Snyder. Now, mm. I've only been reading Batman Snyder since the beginning of the New 52. Mm. Now, you said he was on Detective. Yeah, this is the whole run of Detective. Okay. He was only on for about, I think, 10 or 11 issues oh. before the yeah before the, the turnover. That's what that is? Yeah. This is right before the turn of the New 52. Ooh. Um, this is, I, I believe, and I could be wrong, but I think this is everything he ever wrote on Detective is in this. Okay. Um, when I talked, I heard him on um, Fat Man Batman, he talked about pitching the idea and having Jock as the artist, but um, both artists are fantastic. Um, they primarily, Francesco Fecavilla is mostly used for kind of the, the James Gordon stuff, the more detective stuff, the more flashback stuff, as well to his, um, you know, his son, growing up with his son, and it does a great job of, again, mirroring the two situations and really digging deep into Gordon's, you know, um, psychology, both of them, and also the psychology mm-hmm. of Batman and what's going on. And it's interesting, you know, we see some old cases that Jane, that Gordon went on that have haunted him, and that's one, one of the big storylines here is the Peter Pan killer who would take children out of their beds and him trying to solve mm-hmm. that, that murder. Um, you know, and it deals with, with Dick Grayson trying to actualize himself as Batman and you know commit to sticking down roots in Gotham Um, because part of the story is he never really stuck down roots because he always wanted to he always felt the the scariness the underneath and he never wanted to be stuck there but now he realizes that he needs to represent the best of it and all that all that kind of stuff Um, nice there's this great there's a couple great moments there's a moment at the very beginning where they're by the bat signal and um, you know Gordon Neal they're talking in the middle of conversation and Gordon kneels down to like turn off the bat signal and he looks up and Batman and he's talking about Batman and he goes, I just, I can't get used to it. And he goes like, what? He goes that you're still here when I turn around. It's just like those <laughs> little subtle differences, right? Between Bruce, Bruce would have left, That's Bruce would have right. been gone, but right. Dick stays, you know? Um, nice. I like that. yeah, it, it's cool. It's cool stuff. And I, I tweeted this picture. Um, there's a moment where the Joker, the Joker's escaped from Arkham Asylum and, um, you know, Barbara is, uh, Kim Gordon's about to leave Barbara and he says, you know, she'll probably come after you. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I want to be able to read it because I don't want to. I don't want to mess up the line because it's so fantastic. Um, if I can get to it in time, but um, it just shows kind of the the steely nature of the character and what she's got. Here we go, right here. She goes, um, Christopher Gordon says, Barbara, you know he might be after you too. She says, I'm not hiding from him, Dad. He wants me. Let him come knock on my door. This time I'll be waiting. Nice. Yeah. You showed me that earlier. It's, yeah. Uh, I'm way off on the numbers tonight. Not enough coffee today. I think it's Birds of Prey 124 where he does show up Mm -hmm. and she kicks the snot out of him, knocks his teeth down his throat. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, it's um, it's pretty great. And there's a great mystery going on, you know, uh, twists and turns, and um, you know, not knowing which way is up a lot of the times. But and and what's great about it is that it's it's probably an 11 issue story, and it and it does a great thing where it kind of starts you out one place and takes you to another place and. Plot details you think are left behind come back up, and it's just a great weaving, big, epic mystery. Um, I can't recommend it enough. You know, I think it, I think it's as good as Snyder's best stuff wow. on Batman. Wow. So it's definitely something that people should check out. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. I, got, I got that at home. I'm gonna definitely check that out. I uh, 
started reading FPB. Oh yeah, last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, super good. Yeah, you like it? Yeah, I like it a lot. I've been. I haven't. I haven't read it past issue number three. But I've been collecting it the whole time. And cool. I've decided to finally, in my effort to go back and start reading some of this stuff, mm-hmm. um, super great. But yeah, I'm definitely going to check out The Black Mirror. Yeah, it's, it's really great. I, obviously, I mean, something you definitely pick up. So that's The Black Mirror uh, by Scott Snyder with art by Jacques and Francesco Francavilla. Um, and Grayson, number one. Tim Seeley, uh, Tom King, and Mikkel Janin on that one. Big DC t- uh, night tonight. It is. Absolutely. They've been doing some good stuff. And we're going to talk about that stuff. Yeah. Um, after the break, that and, of course, the new big announcement for Marvel about Thor. issue there all right guys we are back um and we are joined by katie rex who is the founder and chief contributor at end of the universe comics.com katie thank you so much for joining us on talking comics thank you i love you guys you're like an amazing show so it's really honoring well thank you very much i meant flattering and said yep he said honoring it's It's okay yep Let it that slide (laughs) no it's cool i'll just i'll just be like medium awkward for the first 30 seconds and then we'll be cool Absolutely, absolutely. Her end of the cool. recording is super crisp. She does. She's doing a good job. She's got a quality mic on. Damn. Yeah, see, I've got this headset. You can see me on the video. I can see in the video, yes. Katie has right. the headset. Yes. Um, so, yeah, we're here. We're, we're, we're here to do some talk about Batgirl and some talk about Thor. Um, so, as we mentioned before... Well, Katie, actually, before we jump into that, why don't you give the people out there um, in Talking Comics land a little bit idea of, of who you are and what it is that you do? Oh, okay. Um, well, I have I have my website, and it's a podcast and blog, and I talk on there mostly about indie comics. And I feature oh, I feature independent musicians mm-hmm. on all of my podcast episodes, and I try to really promote independent works from from both comics and music perspectives. Awesome, awesome. Um, well, uh, what's uh, what's one book that you've been talking about recently? Well, if anybody knows me, they know that all I talk about is rat queens. Mm. <laughs> I'm really, I'm obsessive. It's, <laughs> it's really overwhelming sometimes. Gotcha. Awesome. Awesome. So you must be really jazzed at today's releases. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It comes out, the new issue comes out today. Yeah, yeah. 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 I can't wait. I can't handle it, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. It's awesome. good to be passionate about books. Absolutely. And Rat Queens seems to be a book that a lot of people are passionate about. It seems to have really sparked something in the comic community. Yeah, well, book. it's so well written, and it's yeah. very different than uh, anything I've read before. Yeah, I would agree with that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Although I, I have been told that Skull Kickers is very uh, similar in tone, hmm. and people who like Rat Queens should be checking that out. I've read a little bit of that. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Jim Zub, I believe, is the, yeah. is the writer on that one. Um all right, so let's dig into our, our big stories. There's some big, big stuff. I feel like the last couple of weeks I've had to dig very hard to find new stories to talk about. This week was not um, one of those weeks. Um, so as I said before, we are going to be talking about the Batgirl redesign and also the shakeup on the Catwoman team and the Batbook's future. But first, let's talk about the most recent news and kind of the, the, the hot-button issue of the day, which is Marvel's announcement uh, that beginning in October... Uh, Thor will, I, I believe, I mean, I, I believe it will go back to number one. It'll be a Thor number one. 
um, and Thor will be taking up the mantle. A woman will take up the mantle of Thor. Um, someone in Thor's life. It'll be written by Jason Aaron, who's currently writing uh, Thor, God of Thunder, with art by Russell Dowderman, who does the art on Greg Rucka's Cyclops book right now as well. Um, so um, I, I, we obviously, the other part of this announcement was where it happened. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about, we're going to, I'm going to, could live in a 10 minutes on talking about the where it happened. Because um, I do really want to talk about the book. I, I want to focus on the comics part of this um, but obviously it was a big topic of discussion and we don't want to just pretend like it didn't happen um so it got um announced on the view tuesday morning um by Whoopi goldberg and announced it and then obviously we got some follow-up stuff we got an interview with time magazine as well that people haven't checked out they should definitely check out um so we will talk about the book and what we think it's going to go but first let's talk about the, the the decision to um announce it on the view um katie i want to start with you you're our guest why don't you tell us what you thought about that? Well, I think that I told you earlier today that I felt that it was pandering. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, that, that Whoopi Goldberg has always been a really important woman in the geek community from, like, even when she was Guinan on Star Trek. And so I think it's really cool that she happened to be the one bringing it up. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, I feel like just announcing it and not really discussing it is sort of a problem. And I feel like... It was sort of meant to be a uh, blanket statement to women in a way that just sort of made me feel condescended to. Okay. Okay. Um, what, 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 Bob, what did you think? Well, I, I agree with Katie, and I said this to you before. Mm. Whoopi Goldberg is one of us mm. in that way, into science fiction, into comic books and interviews. When you hear her talk about these things, she's really passionate about it and has been for lots and lots of years. Since Disney owns ABC, mm. it's not going to be on 2020. Right. Somewhere down the road, I think, <laughs> no, but what I think though, Katie, down the road, I believe you will see a story on there really relating to Marvel's, and they'll throw DC into mm. this, but the changing face of comic fandom and characters. Mm. And that's the kind of thing that they like to do because it's, it's synergy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I would love to see something like that. Right. And there was the Time Magazine piece that was really interesting. And and because it was so in-depth, it didn't seem at all contrary to me that it was in a more mainstream venue. The mm-hmm. mm-hmm. thing is, for, for ABC, they don't have a show where you could have actually discussed this mm-hmm. at any sort of depth. There's very little done on The View in general over the years in really great depth. Mm-hmm. It's a hit-and-miss n- not even news magazines, an entertainment program. What was the next segment on, I'd wonder? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it, 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 whose movie was next or what's Miley Cyrus doing? I do or believe whatever. the Weird Al was on. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. There you go, yeah. No, Weird oh, yeah, he's great. the other big news today, right? right. Yeah. Yes, he is. Yeah. But the juxtaposition right. of that, that's the kind of show that is. Right, exactly. And, yeah. and then yeah. right after you'd have Bill O'Reilly come on or something. Right, yeah. <laughs> so it's all just crazy. <laughs> so it's just, Disney was going to announce it on ABC. Mm-hmm. And where that could be, except that, I don't know, who wants to be a millionaire wouldn't work. And uh, um, yeah. I don't think that's on Jimmy anymore. Kimmel, maybe? No, you may be right. <laughs> yeah. Jim, right, okay, maybe Kimmel. You know, any of the night shows would have been great, especially yeah. uh, having a guest on the show that yeah. had something to do with it in some way would have been great. Yeah, I think that, that we're, we're in this weird middle period because I think that 
video games are a little bit farther along in comic books at this point as far as how well they market themselves, but neither one of them seem to want to put out the people who create the things in any sort of mainstream capacity, right? So you never see video game creators anywhere. I, I think a couple have been on Jimmy Fallon because he loves video games and he wants them to be on there. Um, I, I think, yeah, it would have been great to see Jason Aaron out there talking about it. Um, I would rather have Whoopi Goldberg announce it than just Jimmy Kimmel talk about it, you know, himself. Because oh, right. it ended up being a joke. That's all it ended up being. And I, I like the fact that someone like Whoopi Goldberg got to mm-hmm. announce it. Um, well, do you remember it's a famous set of clips? This goes back, there's got to be 25 years. Someone on Johnny Carson made mention of Jack Kirby being the king of comics, and Carson made great sport of it. Okay. Joked and joked and joked and mm-hmm. so on. And then came back on two nights later and apologized mm-hmm. and read a whole list of credits. I didn't know. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. And he really is mm-hmm. the king of comedy. That's I'm certainly on YouTube somewhere. Right. Despite the fact these movies have made all this money, mainstream, mm-hmm. they haven't, we haven't caught back up. We're not where we were before. Yeah. So putting that out on a show where it is a mainstream program, mm-hmm. maybe some of these people who know Chris Hemsworth from the movie know who Thor is see that and go, you know, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I, let me try that. An audience who hasn't seen that before. And Katie, while I agree at a certain level, because we discussed this with X-Men and a few mm-hmm. other things, there is a certain amount of pandering to it. Of course, every advertising is pandering at some level. But maybe to break this glass ceiling, we sort of have to take an obvious, exaggerated step in the, what seems to be the wrong direction to make the right move eventually. I agree that there have been a lot of attempts to be more equal and a lot of them have been missteps. And I do feel that this was a misstep, but yeah, I do absolutely appreciate the fact that it is an attempt. Mm-hmm. I mean, what I always say about, and we talked about this, I think when they were making the big deal about the, the gay characters, so they did the same thing on the view. I believe that's when Marvel went to the view oh, with so. the North yes. star wedding announcement as well. I think we talked about that as well. Pandering in that sense as well. And, and, and to me, what, what, it, what, you know, pandering is a pejorative word, of course, but what to me it means is they've identified a group of people as having buying power, and so they want to try to influence us to be able to buy their stuff. Mm. Um, and to me, that starts to say, we once you have economic power, you start to have power everywhere. You know what I mean? And I think that it's a good sign. Now, is that, look, I, I, it was a, such a weird day for me because I ended up defending the view, which I, <laughs> which is not a situation I'd ever think I'd see myself in ever. Um, you know, for me, the whole point was I, and I don't know if this was their thought process, but I'm I'm hoping that um, the the outcome of this is that maybe maybe if it's ten, twenty, thirty, forty people who of, of the millions of people who watch this show who go, you know, maybe I will check that out, or a couple of people who think who now realize maybe comics aren't the ridiculous boys club that I always thought they were or as much of that anymore. If there's a couple people who think that now and are are willing to investigate a little bit more and go after a little bit more, then to me, the kind of look, cause it, 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 I mean, it's, it's kind of cheesy. It's kind of weird, but I mean, that's what mainstream is. If you see anything's announced anywhere, that's what they feel like. So I'm hoping that that is the good, that is the, the good part about this is that maybe you get some people who didn't know that there, you know, that there were these kind of comics out there, out there. So that's what I want. See, you've been, you've been mute, mute. I'm just waiting for my turn. All right, go right ahead, sir. Okay. Uh, I'm going to try to be careful about what I want to, <laughs> what I say, because I don't want to step on anybody's uh, opinions or views on the thing. Um, I think we're going to see more of this type of thing. I don't think that this was an isolated incident as far as it being announced on The View. Um, 
in regard to it being pandering, I don't know exactly what to think about that. Um, I think that this is just, it's kind of a double-edged sword in mm. that, you know, anytime that something regarding comics, something big gets announced in comics, all of the internet, Twitter especially, people go insane. Whether it's good or bad or indifferent, people are flapping about it and going crazy. Um, I don't know that this could have been announced. It could have been announced anywhere, and people would have bugged out about mm. it. Um, I'm not female, so I don't I don't know the specifics of, of feeling pandered to in that regard. Um, the View is a very widespread show. A lot of people saw it, and like you know, you had said, Bobby, if it gets more people to look into the book, I'm all for that. Um, and it just seems like a thing where it's ABC, they have this show that has X amount of millions of viewers, and this was a big announcement, and yes, it happened to be an announcement about, you know, making a character female. Um, I, I, I don't, if it was something else, would people have had that big a deal with it, mm-hmm. that it was announced on The View, if it wasn't the sub, like, subject at hand, if it wasn't a female Thor? Um, my, my point is is that people kind of need to like pick their battles with this stuff. And if we're going to freak out every time something is announced, they're, they're not going to know where to go mm-hmm. to announce this stuff because we would have complained if it was something too small and like, oh, it's no, you know, you announce it like this and it's not getting the coverage that it needs. How are we going to sell books? How are we going to get more readers? And how are we going to do this? You kind of got, these companies have got to start thinking differently about where they're putting this information because it's not in the food stores as far as selling comics when comics used to be on the shelves. It's only in the stores that more than half the comic population are afraid to even go into because of the general attitudes found in the local comic shops. They suck. Mm -hmm. I went into a comic shop this past week. I was in there for 10 minutes looking for back issues of Amazing X-Men. There were five people working there. Not a single person came up to me and asked me if I needed anything. Mm -hmm. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. So that's what we're contending with. You bring something like this to the view and yeah, it doesn't fit into necessarily to quote unquote our like world or nerd Mm. view or whatever, but we're already going to be talking about it. We're already going to be, you know, wherever the news drops, we're going to know because we have our fingers on the pulse and we're going to be paying attention with it being on the view. Now I know Maybe my sister knows, Mm -hmm. and she doesn't know jack about comic books, but in her doing the laundry and milling about the house and doing what she does and running the business in the background, she could be leaving on the TV in the background, and all of a sudden, she sees Whoopi Goldberg talking about Thor, and she's like, oh, you know, my brother, you know, does stuff with comics. What's this? Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, she calls me up and is talking to me about a new Thor book coming out. Mm -hmm. I think that was their aim. I don't think that they specifically meant to go out of their way to be pandering mm. to anyone really. Mm. Uh, but then again, I can't I can't speak for, you know, right. females that might have felt that way. And I definitely, definitely see how it might have come off that way. I just for me being where I am, I think it was just a an odd venue for an announcement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean and Katie, I wanted to ask because I asked you this on Twitter but I, I wanted to get your opinion on it kind of um as face to face as we are. Um, uh, you know, obviously the view is known as a female centric program. It's, it's kind of how it was started and why it was started in the first place. Um, 
you know, and it's obviously very mainstream and very not uh, like Steve was saying, not part of like art for our demographic of people, uh, male or female. You know, it's 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 for a different age set, especially I think. Um, would you have felt like it was pandering if it was announced on someplace like the Mary Sue? You know, I I honestly don't know because I I agree with Steve that that they're sort of in a corner mm-hmm. where there's not really. A, a great obvious right way to go with it. Mm-hmm. I know that I didn't particularly like this direction. Um, and I can think of a few things that I would have preferred. And I absolutely would have loved to see something on the Mary Sue about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the biggest thing though, is that um, I did see a lot of women, including myself that, that felt condescended to, and it seems to me as though had we been asked ahead of time, and not like me specifically, but I don't know, women focus groups, mm-hmm. it would have been interesting to see what women would have asked for for our own demographic. Because I think that when you ask a demographic what it is they want because you see them as a potential client, mm-hmm. um, I think that's when you see the most effective strategies. Mm-hmm. Um, from a sales perspective, for instance, there's um, you were talking about comic shops that have a disconcerting, unwelcoming yeah. uh, feel to them. But there's Strange Adventures in Canada that has a really cool ladies' night thing run by Kate Leth. That's just mm-hmm. it's it's all women that are empowering other women to read and to love and to discuss comics. And I think that a lot of those women will bring friends who are not comics fans. And I think that that's when you ask women to do these things for each other, it it's a little more effective. I, I know. I definitely, I mean, that's a great point. You know, I, I, my whole thing is I just feel like I wonder what someone, Steve, like you said, like your sister or, yeah. or, or someone who watches the view regularly, how they felt when they saw, you know, this, because as much as we're talking about this, I don't think any of us, watch the actual announcement i tried to on I the tried view to find it online and i i couldn't get anything all i saw were stills you know so mm-hmm. I, I would I, and we're not obviously the audience for the show so i'm curious as you were saying katie what someone felt like who is the demographic for the show and saw it if if if, if, if they felt similar or it's just mm-hmm. it's because we're outside of of that target that you know you were, were having these very strong feelings about the uh, about the aim of of the announcement yeah, well, and the, the Tom Hiddleston love thing has proven to us that allowing superheroes to go mainstream and appeal to, to women mm-hmm. is actually like a really great way of, of getting women into comics because now Loki looks like Tom Hiddleston and is really mm-hmm. sexy. <laughs> I would wonder what's... Putting that out there. Yeah, with uh, G4 gone, mm-hmm. which might have been the only station that had any sort of real comic programming in terms yeah. of news, who were there? Could they've gone to MTV News or something? Yeah, maybe? but they go to MTV News a lot. But then, whereas MTV News is basically now just a online publication, like oh, MTV okay. News, USA Today, um, Hero Complex, which is the LA Times, uh, is there is there like superhero section online on on their website? I, all those places are are the usual places they announce this stuff. And I, I feel like, like Steve was saying, they were trying to you know expand out of that because we have been saying they need to get more mainstream. They need to mm-hmm. be able to tell people. Those things you love in the movie theater, look, you can buy them. They're books. You can check them out. And I think this was their chance. This was their try. I do agree that, look, I'm not saying that The View was the best place to do it. I'm just saying that I think that it is a a step 
towards possibly now seeing it other places, bigger places. Yeah. So yeah, Steve. Um, yeah, I just, I just wanted to say one more thing. Yeah. I might get in trouble for this, <laughs> but I got to say it. Um, I just, I, I, I caution people to, to be careful about their reactions. And again, I am not in the, in the, the female position where I, I can't speak on that stuff, but if we attack everything that gets announced that is female centric and stuff like that, eventually they're not going to know what to do with this type of news. Mm-hmm. Stuff is stuff is put out there every day. The fact that this happened to land on the view. I mean, comic book news comes out all the time. Things get announced and people get upset and, you know, words get thrown around and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's a it's a positive direction, maybe a little misguided, maybe a little bizarre, but maybe they'll get better at it mm. over time. And honestly, with the I mean, I think the announcement's exciting. I mean, we're going to get to that in a minute. Yeah. But I would have I would be really thrilled. Um, I mean, maybe it's just the stigma that the or the the air that the view has for being a female centric show that they were like here. Yeah. You know, here, ladies, mm-hmm. here's your here's your Thorb. And guess what? Now he's just like you. Right. <laughs> you know, like that 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 does kind of piss me off. Absolutely. And yes, there's definitely an aspect of that. And look, PR and marketing people have never been accused of being the yeah. most sensitive and, and, and yeah. intelligent people when it comes to stuff yeah. like this. Right. Uh, we also add the fact the last couple of weeks for that program have not been its shining moments gotcha. with some people being fired, leaving mm-hmm. yeah. controversy over why you had Jenny McCarthy on there mm-hmm. at all and blah, 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 blah. I'm just saying so, to be to be careful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, you, oh, it, that's the thing. And like, look, it, it, I, I, and this is not, this is before even this thing happened. I, I've started to become weary of like, you know, the Twitter outrage of the week about whatever yeah. fill in geek property here. Let's all scream about it for for two days, yeah. uh, and then forget about it, and then scream about the next thing. You know, the the, the, the next week. Um, and I, I, you know, and what I said is, we're going to move on now into this other part of it. Um, was that the, the thing that I felt was the saddest about it was that it stopped us from having real discussions about the book. You know what I mean? The book itself, when it, when it coming out, because there there are people may have very real issues with the actual idea behind the book, mm-hmm. but those things were kind of being left behind to talk about the view and uh, and. Again, I think that we spoke too long about the view already. We went, went over the ten minutes. I said we're <laughs> done talking about the view. We're done. One thing. We're done talking about the view. Oh, but it's important. We're done. What? Okay. I didn't get to see the clip. None of us did. No. Did they just announce it and move on, or did they actually have somebody on? No, to they just announced the it and moved on. Then Whoopi Goldberg made the announcement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. See, that kind of bothers me. Yeah. I mean, but we, we can move on. Yeah. But the idea of it not being elabor- elaborated upon mm. that bothers me yeah i mean look i mean what, what, what we'll talk about that's a whole other can of worms is the fact that the we like i said before we don't seem to put out the people who create this stuff in a sort of major public manner which needs to change um but let's move away from talking about the way it was announced and talk about what was announced so um as we said uh thor is a, a, a female character is going to be taking up the hammer of thor um come this october and we've heard that it will be a character in thor's life um, and that they'll be teasing it a- a- as they go along. Uh, like I said, Jason Aaron, who is the is the Thor writer, is staying on with art by Russell Dowderman. Um, Bob, what do you think about just the, the plain idea behind this book? I hate change. They should never change it. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is like every week I, I, with Bob. Right. right, right. <laughs> Here's the thing. I, I told this story to you before. Many years ago, uh, my local comic shop had Walt Simonson in to he was doing a signing for Star Slammers. Mm-hmm. Walt Simonson, Uncle Walt, as he likes to be referred to, which is where I stole cranky old Uncle Bob from. <laughs> so, shh, insider <laughs> stuff. 
he had with him his portfolio with some pages from Thor 337 and the cover of Beta Ray Bill smashing through the Thor logo with the new hammer. Mm-hmm. Stormbringer, his hammer's name was. Well, that will become that. Mm-hmm. And but 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 Uncle Walt, <laughs> how is that possible? Don't you remember what it says on the hammer? <laughs> ah. So Thor can be all sorts of folks. Mm, it could be a frog. Who, it's, <laughs> right, well, that was Thor turned into a frog, which <laughs> happened like six months later. What I think is really interesting here is this is not an accessory character. This isn't as much as I like Supergirl. Mm-hmm. This is not Supergirl. Mm-hmm. Whoever this is, my we'll, we'll get to who we think yeah. this is later. She is Thor. Mm-hmm. Which is just fine. Mm-hmm. It is. It is a little different. It would. Would it be better if they could create another character, an original character that, that this woman can be, and not take on this mantle? But this is not Batgirl. This is not Supergirl, or even She-Hulk at a mm-hmm. certain level. She's the actual Thor. Yeah. We it, is it going to go on forever? We know that's no, the nature not. of comic books. Yeah. She'll change again, and perhaps. In the change back to Thor, Thor, mm. she will then have the gravitas to be her own character moving forward with her own books, and that will have set her forward, as we see happen with what was Ms. Marvel, mm-hmm. thanks to Kelly Sudakonic and Captain America, making sure that Carol took the mantle mm. of Captain Marvel. Well, now she's her own character. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, what Jason Aaron said, and he's emphasized it, this is not she-Thor, this is not Lady-Thor, this is not Thorita, this is Thor. Oh, I this just is, looked that up too. Yeah. <laughs> this is the Thor of the Marvel Universe, but it's unlike any Thor we've ever seen before. So he did a little rhyming there as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, interestingly enough, we're going to go back to you, I'm going to go back to a little history of Thor and how it yeah. kind of started, because I, I think it's pertinent to what we're, we're, we're talking about here. But um, Katie, what do you think about the actual idea behind the book? So I think that if you look at the way that comics have developed over however long since the 30s, you started out with a lot of characters who were straight white males. And the only way to change that and and to have a more diverse cast is to do things like we did with Miles Morales, with Carol Danvers, with Kamala Khan, where introducing a character that hasn't existed before can be very difficult but allowing a strong character who is well-written to take up a mantle that already exists is something that we've shown is, is working better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look at it through all the legacy characters that DC does as well. You look at, you know, bringing Jon Stewart in as a legacy mm-hmm. Green Lantern, you know, using Wally the... West as the Flash. Yeah, yep. using the mantle. I mean, DC has recently done it um, with Wally West as well. Um, he, they, they, they changed the race. They didn't change the, the gender, but... Um, you know, the, the, the ways of doing this are the ways of using that mantle of the hero to then, you know, imbue that character with both the, the, the history of that person, but let's be quite honest, also the ability to sell the book the way that character p- previously did. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's, it's much harder to start a book from scratch than is to start a book with the name Thor, or, you know, an a, a, a international movie star name on the, on the cover of your book. Look, in this past year, one of the most lamentable things that happened while being the, one of the best series, mm-hmm. the movement, mm-hmm. bombed. Right. Despite being beautifully written, great, di- great set of characters, diverse in every way possible, mm-hmm. wonderful, uplifting story, and it was selling 4,000 copies when it got canceled. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because no one could understand what it was. Well, who are these people? Why mm-hmm. should I care? 
And with so much money tied up in names that you know, mm-hmm. that's where the money's going to go. Right, yeah. We look at the sales charts and it's Batman, Superman, yeah. Spider-Man, X-Men. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Try something else here and there, guys. Yeah, yeah. All of us, we need to do better at that. Yeah. So if the company feels as a marketing strategy, mm. well, we can make this work and yeah. then we'll see what happens later. Tell Now tell good stories. Exactly. And write a good character. That's what it all comes mm-hmm. down to when it comes when it comes down to it. I mean, Steve, I know you've been reading Thor: God of Thunder. Yes, I have. Um, so you obviously have a big connection to Jason Aaron, who, who's writing both these series now, mm-hmm. and when the series when they transition. So, what are your feelings about the series transitioning, and are you excited about a female Thor? Well, first, I have a question. Yeah. Okay. Now they say that she is Thor. Mm-hmm. Now is. Thor is Thor going to turn into this new character? No, or? no, no, no. Thor is okay. still in the book. Yeah, it's gonna okay. be. He, he won't be. He won't call himself Thor anymore. Apparently, that's, that's what he said. Okay, so something happens. Mm-hmm. We don't know what it is yet. Something right. happens. He becomes unworthy of the hammer. Yes. This person comes along and picks it up in his stead. Yes, correct. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That to me is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I have read all of Jason Aaron's uh, Thor: God of Thunder. And it has been one of the most epic and rewarding runs I've read in comics since we've been doing this show. Uh, I cannot say enough good things about it. It's phenomenal. The, I, the, the knowing that this change and this, this radical change that they're doing is in his hands, I have 110% trust that he will do it. He has been writing a kick-ass Thor run. He has a handle on his world, on his characters, on the creatures, on the mood. And has yet to do, quite frankly, anything in that book that I did not find fascinating or interesting or that enriched the character. Mm-hmm. If this was like an unknown or if this was going to someone who I wasn't really a fan of their work, I would have been, you know, a little trepidatious, a little nervous. Knowing that he's behind it, knowing this has been part of the plan and this has probably been in the works for quite some time and this just so happens to be the time of the announcement, but... This has been part of the plan. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen what he does with the Thorverse. No doubt that it's going to be fantastic. Mm. And like Katie was saying, you know, we're seeing more of these characters, excuse me, that are kind of like taking up the helm of others, like Ms. Ms. Marvel, mm-hmm. uh, Kamala Khan, and things like that. How awesome would it be to have a situation where a female characters wielding, you know, Milnir and Thor? actually has to learn from this person's actions and then when we eventually get to it because it will happen and Thor becomes Thor again when he's worthy once more it will be by example of the actions of this incredible mm. character and their deeds that kind of show you know through them he'll have to act differently and earn that back mm-hmm. and by that time that character will be so established that they'll maybe go on to their own series or maybe they'll do like a buddy cop thing. I don't know. Buddy Thor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, it's, it was it Jason Aaron who said he's been a frog. He's been a yeah. horse faced alien. This is comics. Mm. You know, even I know that throughout, throughout the years that they've changed characters radically and things change all the time. This is just the nature of, of comics and it's the way that it goes. I think it's very exciting and I yeah. think it's a huge opportunity to have yet another female character in the spotlight has that that pedigree of having the Thor name and she's going to wield Thor's hammer and kick mm-hmm. some ass in, in the name of Asgardia and Midgard? Fucking bring it on. Yeah. 
it, it was really funny. Um, Brian Q. Miller put up like a fake poster. Um, it was called Troll Hunters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it, the tagline it was, is because it's, in quotes, the end of the world. And it says, Thor, Kid Flash, Spider-Man, Wonder Woman's pants. <laughs> uh, it's really, really funny. I retweeted from the Talking Comics page. So you guys can check out if you follow us on Twitter. Um, but uh, yeah, the thing about it for me is I look at it and I got... The, Actually, it's funny because I got the press release from Marvel before I heard about the View announcement. Oh. And I just figured, oh, this is what they must have announced on the View is what I thought immediately because they've been pumping it out for a couple of days. And, and my initial thought of it was because it is radically different than what we're seeing, um, I, I kind of go like the huh. And it, it's much like the Superior Spider-Man stuff when they first, yeah. when, you, when you first heard what Superior Spider-Man was going to be. You know, my my... my my initial thoughts about that were somewhat doubtful, you know, about not about Dan Slott's ability as a writer, but as the ability of the character of Otto Octavius. Yeah. Was it going to work as interesting and as fun to read as Peter Parker was to read? Yeah. Uh, And obviously I think that he did a fantastic job with that. And I think that this is a similar situation for me. I think that I, I, I welcome change in comic books and I, and look, if you're going to, a character's going to be around for 60, 70 years, it's going to go through some changes. It's going to loop back around. Yeah. And I think that, you know, Jason Aaron, I, I, I've liked everything I've ever read that he's written. So I have great faith that the character will be cool. I also think that, look, this is what's going to happen when the next movie's about to come out. <laughs> Thor is going to be Thor again. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. But we might get one or two years of amazing stories told in this different way. And that would be a fantastic consequence of all this stuff happening. I, I, I think it's interesting that um, he's already said that it's going to be someone in the life of Thor already. So we have obviously a few big candidates, which we'll talk about mm-hmm. in a moment, Steve. Um, well, I'm just, I'm thinking of something that's going on currently when I mentioned earlier in the show, the Spider-Man 2099 and how Miguel, you know, spinning out of the superior Spider-Man stuff. Mm. Who's to say that in, you know, whatever time goes by that we don't get the female Thor that once that's over, that the character is so established and so many people are into it that it calls for a situation like that where we get another awesome book by awesome creators featuring that character. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, be like, all right, Thor's back, but, you know, we know you guys love Thor. We're going to, you know, we're going to put her over here and you can continue her adventures here. And guess what? She's got friends and her own team and she's made a couple enemies along the way and they're back and they're pissed. Absolutely. Oh, what would her rea- interaction be with the Avengers? Yeah. yeah. Be, there's some, in, in my head, there are already dozens <laughs> I of think it's great so, stories I, that I want to see. Yeah, it's absolutely. so cool. I can't wait for it. Absolutely. It's awesome. Kenny, any, any, any other thoughts about, uh, about Thor? I actually am really confused about one thing. Yep. Um, I don't remember the part of either the the comic book universe or the Norse mythology universe that says that the um, wielder of Mjolnir is, is named Thor. Why I mean, is her name Thor? It's not a title, you know? Cause like when Carol Danvers became Captain Marvel, she assumed a title. She's mm-hmm. still Carol. Mm-hmm. And I, you've got to put this on Stanley. <laughs> honestly. Well, he, here you go in journey into mystery. 83. Mm-hmm. We see Don Blake, uh, surgeon, wandering around the fjords of Norway, and he's, he's in a business suit for no particular reason, wandering the cliffs, and he is, the word they use then, um, I apologize because mm. it's now politically incorrect, he was, they described him as lame, meaning okay. he walked with a limp and carried a cane. Mm. He sees a spaceship come down with the stone men from Saturn. 
the guy that Thor blasts into bits in the second yeah. movie, that's one yeah. of them. Right there, they're on the, this cover of this <laughs> other book we'll talk about. He runs away. They're trying to stop him from uh, spreading the word that they've landed on Earth. He goes into a cave to hide, and they push a giant rock in front of it that he can't move. He's lost his cane. He can't get out. He sees sitting on a ledge a gnarled wooden walking stick, and he thinks he can use it as a lever to pry the boulder out of the, the, the doorway, which he can't. In frustration, he slams it against the stone. He's bathed in an eerie light, and he starts to grow and turns into Thor. He is still talking like Don Blake, and he looks at the hammer. Whosoever holds this hammer, if he be worthy, shall possess the power of Thor. He doesn't become Thor. He possesses the power of Thor. He's still Don Blake. Mm-hmm. And he changes back if he loses his hammer after 60 seconds. It's kind of silly, but it happens. Because <laughs> then the bad guys get trying to keep the hammer away from him. It took Stan better part of a year to write him as Thor all the time. Mm-hmm. He was still Don Blake changing into Thor. It was sort of Billy Batson, Captain Marvel. Right. And he was secret identity and hiding it from Jane Foster and all the rest of it. And eventually, Don was starting to get messages from Odin. Mm-hmm. He started to write it as real mythology and then swirled all that into it. And it was, Odin's story was, just as in the movie, Thor has not been humble. And he's done some bad stuff, and he's sent here in that identity as someone who would help mankind as a healer, mm-hmm. but with physical infirmities to learn humility. And mm-hmm. then he was he directed him to the hammer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, not in Norse mythology, and not in the movies, but in terms of Stan Lee, who created this thing, Thor is kind of a mantle of power to be assumed right with the wielding of the hammer right it happens again too in in i mean when i was reading infinity gauntlet the eric masterson is that who yes. it was there is he there's someone up in between and he is when he you know when he looks like thor he's thor and then he is also when he doesn't have the hammer he's eric masterson mm-hmm. so i i think there is some you know there is some backing to to uh, the idea behind this. I have one right here. Yeah, so from about. 1978, What If Number 10, mm-hmm. uh, with a lovely cover by John Buscema, but this is actually by Don Glutt, who is a famous fan science fiction writer, wrote movies and comics for years, and Rick Hoberg doing his best sort of Kirby Buscema crossover. This issue was all alternate realities told from... The Watcher would tell you these stories. Mm-hmm. He's, he's around right there with some <laughs> Kirby crackle. What if Jane Foster had found the hammer of Thor? Now, mm-hmm. the cover is Thor looking down from a little box by the sacred beard of Odin. It's, <laughs> a, it's a reproduction of the cover of Journey to Mystery 83. The stone men are coming down, and Thor is swinging her hammer. But in this case, don't worry your golden locks about me, Thunder God. Thordis can take care of herself. <laughs> Thordis is actually, in Norwegian, the feminine form of Thor okay. that is not a made-up superhero mm. name, but it is actually the feminine form of that mm. word. Though third, T-H-U-R-D, is Thor's daughter in mythology. Oh, okay. But that actually means Thor's goddess, not hmm. the female Thor. It's slight, see, you it, get lots of education. You get some Nor- Norwegian stuff here. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, in this story, they are t- Jane and Dr. Blake are on vacation together, and she finds the hammer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cane becomes Thor in the, in the actual incredibly it's the same sequence with basically the same mm-hmm. shimmering light and she becomes Thordis. <laughs> she uh Odin isn't too thrilled with this 
as you can imagine. <laughs> I banished him to earth to, to learn something. How did you get this? Mm. But when he checks in, she's doing really great stuff. She joins the Avengers and he's still, he, she's banished mm. and doesn't want to let her back. But Ragnarok's about to happen. She flies Don Blake back to Asgard with Lady Sif, actually. They stop the end of the universe from happening. Mm. And he gives Thor back his power, but spoiler alert for a 35-year-old book, he gives Jane Foster goddesses powers, and she actually... Should I really spoil this? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> she becomes the queen of Asgard. Oh, okay. Which is just a very, very mm. cool ending. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, I think that... I think there's a lot of potential in mind here. And like, if you look at what's been going on, especially kind of in the Loki side of, of the Marvel Universe, there's been a lot of discussions about, you know, who Loki is and, you know, what what identity means. And, you know, if if you are the same person that you were destined to be and what makes you who you are. And these gods are dictated a lot by who people believe them to be. You know, and you would think that, I mean, Loki is obvious, what would go for Loki would go for any other Norse god. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's avenues there that they can explore in a lot of ways. Um, so, and with the hammer being, it's a, it's a worthiness aspect. Yeah. It. it isn't brute force because the Hulk can't pick up the right. hammer. So it's about having the qualities that allow you to pick up the hammer. There have been some folks in mm-hmm. uh, DC versus Marvel. Wonder Woman right, yeah. can wield Thor's hammer. Yeah. Superman in uh, JLA Avengers mm-hmm. does. Beta Ray Bill, obviously, Eric Masterson. My favorite, though, and I, I want this to happen in a movie so badly, Captain America can right. use Thor's hammer. Right. And I think there's Storm did it as well. Storm did it once, too. Yeah, as well. Yeah, as well. Um, so, Katie, let me ask you, is, does this make you interested in at least checking out this book? Oh, I'm definitely going to check it out. Cool. Um, so Should let me ask you about speculating. Yeah, we'll start speculating yeah, a little yeah. bit. So you said that someone in their life. I mean, for me, it's one of three people. I mean, it's going to be Lady Sif, it's going to be um, Valkyrie, or it's going to be Angela. Um, I I think it's going to be Angela because they're really pressing hard with that character right now, and I think they want to kind of jettison her into you know really you know top place in their universe. Mm-hmm. So that, for me, I think it's going to be Angela. That's the. That struck me first. Obviously, you've got this character, but mm. if you just acquired this character, then changing her into something else does it under, right. sort of undercuts what you just did. Yeah, it's true. Uh, we, we were talking about mm. Jane Foster just before, and she's still in the books, though mm. she's in bad shape, which could, as you described, mm. fix it. I just think you, you've got Valkyrie now with the Fearless Defenders having been canceled. Just a great character that's been around for a very long time in one form or another, whether it was the Enchantress pretending or through the Defenders years, is Norse. You know, mm. part of part of she's Brunhilda, the, the ruler of Valhalla, I guess, or mm. the messenger for uh, the fallen warriors to Valhalla. Perfect. And she does have the whole dual thing going on already. I don't know if that would carry over, mm-hmm. the old right. Annabelle Riggs thing. I'm leading in that direction, though, when we discussed Jane Foster before with, with, with cancer and well, mm. and this could save her. That could be a nice throwback. Does Jason Aaron do deep continuity throwbacks? I don't even know. I haven't been reading it, so I don't know. The, I mean, the Jane Foster stuff seems like it is. I mean, that's been – that's one of the heavier – I mean, the whole – all of Jason's Aaron – Jason's Aaron's <laughs> – <laughs> all of Jason Aaron's Thor God of Thunder is very serious. Very serious. They're, I mean – there's like one or two issues where you can get a couple laughs, but for the most part, it's pretty dire stuff. Okay. Uh, most recently, it's Thor versus Galactus, 
So, I mean, that... That's big. That was, yeah, super <laughs> intense. Um, now, there was also a Thor girl character in the early 2000s. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Here's who's, wait, oh, I wasn't done. <laughs> oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. Um, you mentioned Jane Foster, and maybe it can be a way to fix her. Uh, she doesn't want to be fixed. She Thor has, at least on two different occasions, has offered to bring her to X or Y in search of cures for her cancer, and she has absolutely just forbade the whole thing. She's it's, hmm. it's partly to teach him a lesson, and it's part of her remaining human and remaining who she is. Um, and she's been very like she put her foot down so far that it's gone through like the nine levels of hell. Okay, <laughs> so um, that's the only reason why I don't know that it would be Jane mm-hmm. Foster. Uh, it could be Valkyrie, although I think the Annabelle Riggs thing. I don't know if they would just like wipe that and just have her come in and be like, you know, oh yeah, by the way, separate them. You know, okay. in between pages, mm. I you know separated her or whatever. Um, I mean, the Angela thing I think is probably the best bet. Mm. But anyway, I'm sorry, Bob, I completely no. derailed you. No, I'm good. All right, uh, Katie, you have any guesses on who it would be? Well, Angela has a solo title, right? No, she doesn't have a solo nope. title yet. No. no. Okay, no. I thought there was one announced, but. No, they haven't officially announced one yet. There's definitely okay. been a lot of rumors about it, though. All right. Yeah. I, I guess my money is kind of on Jane. Okay. And I actually think that the fact that she wouldn't want it would make a really interesting character arc, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. Touché, you'd have to come Katie. to terms with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, not wanting the power also makes her probably more worthy of it. Mm-hmm. than someone who desires it very strongly. Touche, Bobby. <laughs> Shit. Um, <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll look to see how, how it's going to go and how it's going to be. I, I think it's an exciting announcement. I think that, you know, obviously there there's reasons and there's reasons for trepidation and reason for people to think that it's either uh, a gimmick or it's, it's something that goes against what they want it to be. But I think that much like Superior Spider-Man, much like Miles Morales, I, I think it's something to, to wait and see because the story when it comes down to it, the work is the, is the, is the ruler of it all, right? It's the thing that will be remembered. It's the thing that matters. If he writes good stories that tell that, that make this character a great character, then no one's going to care about what, how it was announced or where it came from or what they thought initially. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Um, moving on to, to less, less controversial news. Surprisingly. Uh, Surprisingly. Um, in fact, I've, I've never, I don't think I've experienced in the time we've been doing this as much, pure unadulterated kind of love for something it was kind of amazing yeah <laughs> as what happened this past week when dc announced the changing of the guard for batgirl so gail simone is leaving batgirl um and it will now be taken over by cameron stewart and brendan fletcher on writing with artist babs tar for the art um the costume is designed by babs tar and um i believe Cameron Stewart designed it together. Um, Bob, I'm going to you first because you are obviously our biggest Batgirl fan here. You, um, our biggest Gail Simone fan here. What did you think when you heard this announcement? Initially, I, I'm sad for Gail, first of all, because as someone whose only book in the New 52 was Gail Simone's Batgirl, because she wanted to take that over rather than have, if someone was going to take Barbara Gordon out from being Oracle, out from the chair, she wanted to do that to make sure it was handled properly. Mm-hmm. And from what we read on, on her own 
Tumblr page and so on that there's sort of a creative difference up front where she all along has wanted a slightly lighter book mm-hmm. and it went in another direction out of her control, but she kept plugging away. And so she won't get a chance to play in a lighter universe. And it changes just after she leaves is, is kind of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sadly, sadly twisted. And it's my other, I'll, I'll get all my slightly negatives out of okay. the way first. <laughs> Because I I am over the moon about this, mm. the it's to me you, you actually sent me a letter about this. Yeah. I, I've lamented the fact that Barbara will not be as as major a part of the mainstream universe moving forward, and uh, Cameron Stewart and Brent Fletcher have said so mm. on the Barbara. Everyone should check out the Batgirl of Burnside Tumblr. By the way, okay. it's just amazing. That's where all this fan art is coming mm. from and everything else. That they're going to leave the darkness to the Bat family. Mm-hmm. They're going to tell their own stories over here. And my, my concern was, okay, you're not going to be able to meld that lighter tone with all the other stuff going on in the DC universe. Right. So that great character would be separated out for a while. All that said, this is exactly the kind of thing we've been chowing about here yes. from the very beginning. This is a wonderful book. When you read the Batgirl stories in the 70s and the 60s, She's a detective. Mm-hmm. And that's what this is going to be. She's going to be a bright, wonderfully intelligent woman beyond that with a great skill set that can be inspiring and fun and that other characters can look up to within her own book in a universe that is not filled with anxiety and grimness and death at every turn and yet still be thrilling and exciting in the ways that the, the sort of things they're talking about where it's, uh, Veronica Mars with a mm. dash of Sherlock mm. thrown into it. That's just perfect. This this can bring so many new people to the table if this is handled properly and that from their end and then at our end. I've said this about other things. Instead of buying a second copy of Justice League so you can get the 3D glow-in-the-dark hologram cutout foil <laughs> cover... How about buying a second copy of Batgirl and give it to someone who doesn't read comics who might just be as in love with this book as I, I'm, I'm sure we all are. Mm. Yeah. And that will help this because if if we don't support these books, it's great to put up fan art. It's great to go on Twitter and Tumblr. And it's even good to go to conventions and all that other sort of jazz. The companies are going to respond to sales figures. And money. We need we need to make that happen at our end by promoting it as we are here yeah. and talking up all the positive aspects. I've said a lot of crummy things about DC in two and a half years or whatever <laughs> it is. My highest congratulations to Mark Doyle mm-hmm. between this and Captain, which we talk about Gotham Academy, mm-hmm. which we did last week. I there may be a change happening over there. They may have finally gotten the memo that Marvel did a year or so ago, and I couldn't be happier. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Katie, what, what do you think about this background stuff? Oh, I love her Doc Martens. They're really cute. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's not maybe the best place to start, but they're really <laughs> cute. Um, I like her outfit a lot. I have never considered cosplaying as a superheroine, but I would wear that <laughs> because it seems like something that a person could comfortably wear. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I've heard people criticizing the purple as a little too spoiler. Mm. And I see that. Um, oh, but the big thing for me is that I think that the overwhelming positive response that we've gotten and the, the huge amounts of fan art that were generated in the first, whatever, 30 seconds, mm. I think that's 
proof that there are definitely really good ways to present amazing news to women and have us just go nuts about it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, though, the only people who know about it are people who are in this world, though. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think my mom knows that Batgirl has been redesigned, <laughs> you know? Um, but I do agree with you. It's an amazing way to break the news and an, an ama- and the outpouring has been unbelievable. And I think that, A, I think that I like the, I like the purple. I feel like it, it, it already brightens up the, the costume and it, it makes it feel, you know, less entrenched in, in kind of that mm-hmm. armored dark look that the characters had for, for a long time. Well, remember that Gostopia issue where they lightened up yeah. sort of a dark gray that just really looked more classic and yeah. just fun. It reminds me of the original costume in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I the functionality is very cool and I like the the kind of almost like a motorcycle kind of look to it you know some yeah. and that kind of stuff I yeah, think that's that, very cool yeah it's sort of like thrift store chic yeah, yeah. exactly exactly um I, I I like the idea I love the idea of the series of of taking her the basic idea is that a fire destroys everything she owns and so she decides to start over and she starts to go to grad school and this is where it's going to take place. And as you were saying, Bob, I mean, Stuart and Fletcher have said that they're going to be doing a lot of kind of one-off interconnected stories. And it, it seems like obviously Babsar is brand new to doing sequential, you know, big, big two art in a, in a book. So I think that that's a breath of, breath of fresh air that, that is greatly needed. I think that what's great about this. And I, I, I think what mistakenly gets heard when we talk about wanting books like this is that we want all books to be like yeah, this. Exactly right. no, no, but, no. but no, that's not what I want. Yeah. I just want there to be a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want there to be, I, 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 no one loves the Scott Snyder Batman as much as I do, but I want other options. I don't need every book to be exactly that mm-hmm. tone and that seriousness. Right. Where has DC's Hawkeye or Ms. Marvel been? Exactly. And that's what, that's what we're looking at here. And I think what you're mentioning about, about the character being kind of removed from main continuity. And what this reminds me of a lot is what Daredevil was a few years ago when it seemed to be the only Marvel series that had this kind of slight grin on its face. Joy. Mm-hmm. Joy yeah. to it, exactly. And then what seemed to happen is it was, it was so critically successful that it started to reshape the line around it. And it sort of became the thing to do with the not not necessarily the A level not the, the top level books but like the B level books right. so it's Fractions Defenders exactly and Hawkeye right. and Hawkeye you know stuff like that stuff we're seeing with and and it's not just do something's lighter it's just do things differently look, look, like look at Elektra from Marvel mm-hmm. it's not light by any stretch of the imagination but it is not does not look anything like you know uh, the, the the same book analogous in, uh, 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 at let's say DC I, I now I and I think that that is what they're that they're starting to realize and look Mark Doyle seems like he he gets it he seems like he knows there has to be diversity you can have you you should have the serious intense stuff mm-hmm. I just talked for 15 minutes about the Black Mirror and how freaking fantastic it was it's also terrifying and really really intense that stuff has its place but this stuff also has its place and I, I think it's wonderful and look I. Cameron Stewart and Brendan Fletcher, I know next to nothing about their history, and people might call us hypocrites because we we were we were not so happy with someone like Meredith Finch taking over Wonder Woman. But I'll say this: the art that they've released and the things that they've said have been all the right things, mm-hmm. um, and they seem to <clears throat> they seem to get it. They seem to know what they want to do, and they seem to be going their own way in a lot of ways. And I think that that is hugely refreshing to anyone who has been 
constantly watching the way things have unfolded over there. Uh, there have been a lot of discussions through our forums, mm. w- through letters as we talk to people. And the unremitting darkness of some of the characters, mm. the portrayal of some of the female characters, the poses that I pointed a couple of mm. them out in our covers of the week or the not covers of the week <laughs> as the case may be, which you hear a lot of from the people who feel disenchanted or disconnected is not that they don't love these characters. They didn't love the way they were being portrayed. Mm. And mm-hmm. this sort of thing so touches a nerve with people that there is this thrill. It's, it's not even just they're happy. It's positively thrilled mm-hmm. about that. We're getting our characters back. Mm. Yeah. And, and that is, I hope that, it bleeds into the rest of the line. And not again, not all of it, mm. but just enough that we can maybe have, as I've discussed, I'd love to see an old 26. Right. That eventually there's a second line of maybe not all ages because that, that's denigrated now. Mm-hmm. How about kid-friendly? Mm-hmm. How about a book that reads like that Super Friends, but mm-hmm. maybe not quite that kiddish, but somewhere in between there's a place for this Batgirl and Gotham Academy to have their own little universe that Batman can be in. Yeah. He doesn't have to be the Snyder Batman Mm -hmm. or the Mm -hmm. Injustice Gods Among Us Batman, Mm -hmm. but there's a place for the detective Batman to work into that that universe where he can be instructing at Gotham Academy. Yeah. Oh, that's so cute. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the one book I see as a possible crossover for this book is Mm -hmm. is Gotham Academy, especially and Brendan Fletcher. I think is is, is, I was writing. Um, Steve, what did you think of the announcement? Well, the fun (laughs) about going last is that everything has been said. (laughs) Oh, Um, go for it. Brendan Fletcher is a Bjork fan, so you want to know a little something? He and I had a little conversation (laughs) about uh, live Bjork the other day. It was very nice. as far they said, you know, you said they said all the the right things. I'm in love with the direction and the tone and the descriptions of their, you know, their hope and their view for this book and the, the direction that they're going to take it. Uh, I think that DC needs this injection of kind of more lightheartedness. Um, there's always room for that other stuff. I mean, I was just reading Injustice and mm. it was awesome. And it's, you know... Still down for all of that stuff, but I really, as much as I've loved Gail Simone's run, as much as I as I really enjoy her work, I am I'm really excited about the prospect or the idea or the hint that she might be doing a, another Secret Sex. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to be reprinting those books. I've been hunting for them for the last couple of months, and I've only gotten my hands on on Volume One. So if that means that. Taking her away from Batgirl means that she gets to write another fantastic story that she's very passionate about with characters that she's passionate about. And I get to read up on all that old stuff and then get in on the ground floor of that again. Mm. And she's coming at it fresh and she's got ideas. And these are probably ideas that she's been thinking about for a long time because people have been asking her to do Secret Six for a while. Mm. And if it's anything besides the Secret Six, when the official announcement comes, I'd be very, very surprised. Uh, judging by her, her you know, shady her, tweets. Her yeah. cryptic tweets. Her, her cryptic yeah. tweets that she's been mm-hmm. sending out. Um, I'm in love with the Babstar art. Mm-hmm. So, so much fun. I immediately followed her on Twitter, went to her art pages, and just drooled, like, all <laughs> over. Yeah. And for the people that are on Twitter calling Batgirl's new outfit too hipster... Get a life. <laughs> okay? Get a life. You don't even know what that word means. It's such a oh. stupid, broad term. No. Well, you know what some people are complaining about? 
and this is hysterical. Uh, Katie mentioned the Doc Martens, which I think are just very, very cute. It's the... Maybe I don't like the Rob Liefeldian pouch on her leg, mm-hmm. but in her original appearances, she carried a pouch on her hip. Mm-hmm. So it's just that slid down a little bit. <laughs> but it's, well, she's got all these uh, snaps and buckles, and how is she going to lace up her boots? Uh, grow up. <laughs> I mean, we're saying that these people can fly around and their capes don't get stuck in, in airplane <laughs> engines and all the rest of it from The Incredibles and so on. <laughs> You're willing to accept a universe full of superpowers, and she doesn't have, I don't know, zippers on the side of her boots. Like, <laughs> come on. If Batgirl, if Batgirl can get out of a wheelchair and resurrect her spirit to be Batgirl, I think she can handle a couple of snaps and bumps. Yeah, I love the yeah. idea that it's harder to get into that costume than it was to get into the costume she was wearing before. With, with all the plates. and Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like the most complicated thing in the world. She's got a leather jacket and a pair of yoga pants yeah. or whatever it is. <laughs> so, Katie, what are you going to say? I don't recall the part where Batgirl had to change in a, in a telephone booth anyway. No, absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely not. Right. This is not. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I think it. I, I, I'm extremely excited about what's going to happen with it. and the the idea of like the Veronica Mars Sherlock yeah. type of thing. Like her solving mysteries sounds like great. And it you know there's it reminds me of and I'll bring it because it's on my mind because I reread it because of all this Dick Grayson Batman stuff. The, that one issue of Batman Incorporated that took place inside the like Villains Academy, yeah, where Stephanie Brown like in, infiltrates the Villain Academy, yeah, 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 like th- 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 like that's the picture I have in my head, like that ki- that kind of like that kind of tone, such to a it, great issue, you know, and yeah, I mean, I can't wait to see because I I haven't got a chance to really experience Batgirl being anything but what we've gotten from Gail, and I think Gail did, look, I think Gail did great work. I don't think there needs to be qualifiers on, you know, on what she did on the in the new to do Batgirl. Yeah, it was dark, but it was still a great book, um, and I, I think that 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 cannot be under over oversaid. You know, no, because Barbara never succumbed to the darkness; yeah. she was always fighting against it. So mm-hmm. it wasn't as if, as in the issue I, I pointed out before, where she even criticizes herself. When did I become that person? Yeah, right. So th- coming from where she did, that you know what better could have been done with that character? It could have been a train wreck. It could have been Catwoman. Right. And yeah. what we had instead was three really great years of stories. Mm. Yeah. Can't discount that at all. Absolutely. Did y'all mm. read the annual? Love the annual. I was kind of hoping that the annual meant that there was going to be a new uh, Poison Ivy title. Mm. Yeah. I, 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 you know, with a new Bat editor and they're still short five or six books. They are. They're so short. Some books. I think that that annual was a great example. And I think that what she's also said, I mean, I think she said that this, this last issue she's doing is going to, you're going to see a different distinct change in tone because I think it was the one issue that she wrote under the new kind of regime mm-hmm. that was, that, that was in there. Well, she's sort of putting the band back together. Yeah. That's what yeah. I heard. Just, yeah. So I think it's very, very cool, you know? And I think, I mean, there's been a lot of people saying stuff. I mean, um, you know, uh, obviously when anything bat related gets announced, everyone looks to Snyder to talk about it because they want to hear what he's going to yeah. say because he's the leader of that band of people. And, you know, before he... I, I don't have all the Twitter, the tweets in front of me. I know they've been collected a few places, but he said some very, very nice things, uh, very beautiful things about Gail Simone and what she's done and, and how she helped him... Yeah, when he was breaking When he was breaking those, in and yeah. stuff like that. Really, really great stuff. So uh, I, I think uh, it can't be... It can't be undersaid how much influence she's had on the character from all the years that she's written it, yeah. you know, as Oracle and as Batgirl. Um, but I am jazzed to see her do something else. You know, I, I think that she shepherded the, the character into the new 52 to make sure it was done right. 
and it looks like the people who are taking over are going to do right by the character. So I think she's done her job, and I think she can now, you know, be allowed and feel free to move on and, and kind of explore these other avenues in the universe, other characters maybe she wants to take on that she hasn't yeah. taken on because she's been writing, you know, Batgirl for however long she's been writing Batgirl. Uh, or Gail Or as Oracle. Yeah, sorry. Right. Barbara Gordon. Right. If, if <laughs> yeah. the universe had not... If the DC higher-ups had not insisted on this tone, mm. if Gail could have come in and continued to write Oracle mm-hmm. and the Birds of Prey, I think you would have ended up with Misfit and Stephanie Brown because Stephanie, Stephanie Brown Becker was being tutored by right, yeah. Oracle. And that would have been a book mm. to really read and to go on forever. That would have been really special. Yeah. But just as you're saying, she's gotten the character to a place where this has now happened if Batgirl had been handed over to more of the more of the same mm. or worse, we I would not be thrilled here. If we right. had had, we talking about being hypocritical with with the Finches thing, as we we d- did not go nuts about the perspective of a novice writer and a f- sort of an artist we're not thrilled with on a big Trinity character with no resume. Mm. These are people who sort of have a little bit of a resume. Yeah. And the art is such that we can see where the tone of this will be. We have an idea. If you had announced a Batgirl with the Finches mm-hmm. and Posey Escher Girl Batgirl, we would not be saying all mm-hmm. these wonderful things. You can see from the the respectful things they're saying, Alyssa Yao will be in this book. Mm-hmm. She's not, they're, being, they're burning Barbara's possessions, not her friends. Right. <laughs> so some of these supporting cast will show up in this lighter place. And it sounds weird to be protective of fictional characters, but we are around mm. here. I'm happy for these people that they get <laughs> to see some sunshine. <laughs> it's just, just really, I, I'm thrilled. I love a lot of these DC characters. I haven't loved the way they've been mm. written. Right. And here we go. We're good to go from the future. Let's hope this succeeds and succeeds mightily. The yeah. sun will come out. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I can say, I mean, if you look at, uh, obviously not as much press, and not, not doesn't deserve as much press, but if you look at the tone of something like um, Justice League United, which Lemire is doing right now, it definitely, it's similar. It, it, it's mm-hmm. lightened things up a great deal over what the pre- what previously yeah. came before. So maybe it's something that they're trying to try out with, over the line of books. Yeah. And there's the Catwoman, which we... Uh, which we're going to talk about, about in a minute. Yeah, okay. we're absolutely going to talk about it. I just want to I asked for some reactions oh, good. on Twitter. And, um, who do I have to fight with? The first, person who, who, <laughs> the first person who rang in was someone named Brendan Fletcher. And he said... <laughs> I asked him what... what I said, what, what, um, what do you think of the new Batgirl? And he said, I think it's tight. <laughs> <In a winky laughs> face. Um, I told him we only want feedback from people who know what they're talking about. Um, and Brilliant. So, yeah. so we've got uh, Nick Big Papa uh, says um, October is going to be a very interesting and expensive DC month looks exciting um, uh, Luciano says I'm really excited to share a bat themed book with my little girls um, Infinity Watcher says love the new suit and the art um, let's see we got some we got some Facebook reactions as well Hugh Perry says quite excited for it I really dig the redesign and for once it seems we can credit DC with trying to diversify their line of books Gail Simone's run has been superb but a new take on Barbara that can add a bit of fun into the Bat books will be most welcome um, Kenyatta A. Poe says I love it I've been waiting for a, cha- a change in artist and now I have it it's also good I think to get away from the dark and gloomy of Gotham DC Comics this looks like it's going to be a lot of fun sorry to see Gail go but sometimes change is good. Um, um, Igor Glushkin says, I think the new direction looks like a fun take on Batgirl. The direction of the story and art 
Uh, we don't need too much seriousness all the time. Comics should be fun and enjoyable. Look at the original comics where all our heroes came from fun and more fun comics. Um, Dyer Harris says, I'll try the first couple of issues of the run. The redesign looks fun. A bit too young for the character, though. Um, let's see here. We've got uh, John Dubra says, the character, the character could definitely use something to boost public interest, and the new design seems to be well-received uh, thus far. Um, this is Luciano again, but he, t- he brings in more uh, on Facebook. <laughs> As I mentioned on Twitter, I'm excited to have a bat-themed book to share with my daughters. Other than Little Gotham, which is ending, I really hope this book is as fun and kid-friendly as it looks to be. It's really, it's really blown up social media, which has been cool to see. Um, and blown up in a good way. Um, uh, Nicole Alfaro says, I'm excited for DC books that aren't so dark, Batman-y in tone again. Although I'd like to see that also in books that are related to Batman at all. Regardless, it's definitely a smart step in the right direction. Why not try the new direction with their most popular franchise, right? Um, so thank you guys so much for writing in and, and letting us know. Um, let's see here. So, um, well, before we go, Kate, anything else to say about Batgirl before we move on? Uh, nope. I'm really glad that, that Gail Simone is going to be moving on to something that she'll be having fun with because I think that she's incredibly talented and one of my favorite authors. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she does her best work when she's writing something fun that she's having a good time with. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Look at red Sonia for goodness sake. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the other news, which, you know, it came out really at the same exact time and got completely o- overshadowed, which I, I think is an interesting take because it, as, as dark as Batgirl might've been, it was superbly written, not the same thing for Catwoman, uh, which has had a real struggle character has had a real struggle in the new 52 um in, in both its incarnations and um we got an announcement that well, we have a new team coming on um we have genevieve valentine who is a um journalist and a, a novelist um is doing the writing and artist gary brown is doing the is doing the art i believe who i believe is the artist on iron patriot Alex scott's iron patriot um <clears throat> so um this is this is the quote about it after the dust settles in batman eternal Selena Kyle has discovered she's part of a legacy she never knew before, an heir to the family business. She decides to accept the position both because she sees a chance to restore a ruined Gotham and because deep down, Selena's always played power games against herself. Um, at the head of that crime family, it's not so much a matter of if as a matter of when. That said, the crimes are of very... This is she, if she's going to be a criminal. Um, that said, the crimes are of very different nature than her usual. Some clandestine, largely here and there, is a very different thing from having so many eyes on you and giving the kinds of orders that make the underworld run. Um, so also they released in a really awesome Jai Lee cover for, for the first issue. Um, Katie, what do you think about a new Catwoman team? I'm wondering what it is about Selena that makes her so easy to not go well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, cause we've got, uh, a lot of morally ambiguous anti-hero types that are beloved characters and something about most of the Selena books that I've read just have not had that same appeal. Yeah. You know, I think it is, is I think that the character is obviously, you know, the, the, I think the little problem is, is that the character obviously has a handle on her sexuality. And I think most comic book writers don't know how to handle a character that does that. So they end up over sexualizing the character because they feel it's that's what you do when when there's a handle on sexuality, and that's mm-hmm. I think a really poor way of going about it. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that's the I think the, the, the sexuality becomes heavily focused on, and it becomes heavily focused on even more than just the art. It becomes it bleeds into the writing a, 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 as well, 
And I think that's really the, one of the biggest issues. And, and it seems to, and it seems to not be a male writer or female writer problem. It just seems to be some writers just don't get it. You know, they just don't get how to write the character because she is extremely complex. And, and I think that a lot of people have an idea of who she is and not really a handle on who the character actually is and what she's about. Yeah, the shorthand version they're writing without ever exactly. getting into it. Sure, exactly. Mm-hmm. If you if you only saw the movie versions of the char- the movie version of the character, you would you would then extrapolate it into I think a lot of what we see in the comic book versions. Which of movie? The character. Um, Batman. Well, Batman Returns. I guess. So we're not going back to like Halle Berry. No, the Halle Berry is <laughs> not even Catwoman. Well, she's not Catwoman. If they wrote that, the, the oh, books no, are not that bad. No. Okay. God. <laughs> um, Sorry. It's pretty awful. Uh, yeah. But. I think that's the main issue, right? I think it's, it's, it's extrapolated one aspect out into an entire character, and I think that's really the issue. I mean, the people who did it right, don't get me wrong. Ed Brubaker did a, a fantastic run on Catwoman. Obviously, there's the Darwin Cook um, stuff. There's the um, Tim Sale, Tim Sale mm-hmm. um, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale um, book, which is, which is fantastic. So there are good Catwoman runs. I, I, you know, I think that it, it's, always, it's always hit or miss when a novelist comes over and writes comics because... They can either have the attitude that they're going beneath their their usual thing, or they can really be committed to what they're doing. You look at someone like Caitlin Kiernan, who's writing um, Alabaster Wolves. Alabaster Wolves. Sorry, I don't mean. I meant um, who's writing Coffin Hill. Oh God, um, Caitlin Kittridge. Caitlin Kittridge. Yeah. Sorry, um, nice novelist who is doing a fantastic job writing comics. That book's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So th- there, there is obviously things that work very, very well. You saw <clears throat> someone like um, China Melville come over and write. Um, Dial H, which yeah. didn't seem to go over as well, you know. So there, there is, there's, it's hit or miss. I mean, it's hit or miss with every writer, but you know, you, you go into it and, and you think. But she seems she's also a, a, a journalist and is entrenched in kind of this world. So I, it's obvious that she has a a love for it. I think that I, um, I actually got a chance. I I downloaded a, the first few chapters of her newest book, The Girls at the Kingfisher Club, because mm-hmm. I wanted to get a sense of her writing before we we talked about it. And I think that. Um, she has, first of all, she has a great voice. She she knows um, how to write a character, and her, her sense of story is, is 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 very solid and tight. I think that the book is interesting. The book is almost like I the best I can I can explain it is almost like Little Women, but with booze. It's kind of like in <laughs> okay. like the Prohibition times, you know. So there there there's that aspect labeled uh, in it. It's about the these sisters who are kind of secluded in this house by their father who is ashamed that he only had daughters, that he never had any sons or any heirs. So he kind of keeps them hidden away because he's ashamed and they sneak out at night and they're kind of like these, you know, speakeasy, like superstars. Like, you know, everyone knows who they are. That's kind of cool. Yeah, and, and, but what happens is the, kind of the journalists start calling and writing articles about them and mm. the, the dad gets a whiff of this and he decides that he's going to marry them off. And so it's, they're trying to figure out, like, they, they don't want that. They don't want their lives decided for them, so they're going to try to go out and figure, out, figure it out. Um, and that, I mean, that's I got that from the first couple of chapters. Very, very interesting. Very well written. I think, um, you know, that that dichotomy uh, uh, in those characters works very well for Selena as well. And um, Jerry Brown is a good artist. You know, it, it, it it's and he's not a pinup artist. He's not. Mm-hmm. A, you know, it's not weird poses and stuff. It's. Uh, it, I think it's exactly the right fit. It's exactly the direction away from where they've been, which will work very well. I mean, Bob, are, are you interested in this? I'm interested, but I think as Katie has, I have slight misgivings. Just in I'd Like a Smaller Story, after three years of bombastic Catwoman, mm-hmm. in however way you'd like to take that word, I realize <laughs> I probably shouldn't have said it that way. Um, 
and she died in one of those Justice League books, only it wasn't her, and it just, mm. lo- just lots of weirdness going on. A, a, a littler mini, mini, maybe to start with an investigation of who she is reclaiming mm. her personal space before becoming the mob boss of Gotham City might have been better. But that it's not that other Catwoman, that that's a huge step forward right mm. away. Now, it was pointed out to me that even though I, first time I saw that J. Lee artwork, it's like, oh, that's just great. Mm. It was pointed out to me by Carolyn Coco, who studies such things, mm. and she uses these things in her class. If you notice, her one foot is turned inward. Okay. <laughs> no, that is, that is something that's used in advertising to display sort of uncertainty or coyness. Okay. Females and heads. I, I, look, I, <laughs> Carolyn's way above my pay grade. She's a professor of political science in these things, and I and I started looking at other ads. And yes, crossed legs and twitched ankles and whatever. And it's so it's a yeah. I, I find it difficult to harp on one turned ankle. I I I, I don't. I'm not harping. I'm just saying it, yeah. it's something that is that is there, and it might have just been accidental. Yeah. But it is it is it is there. I mean, to talk about harping on and, and, and nitpicking on stuff. Right. <laughs> but it, it's there. Anyway, I'm positive, but certainly not nearly as much as for Batgirl. Mm. I, I, anything's positive in terms of Catwoman at this point, short of it turning into Lady Death. Mm. You know, just completely naked and mm. the rest of it. So this is... Forward. This is more forward news from DC and the Bat Universe. Yeah, absolutely. Steve, what do you think? I really want a Catwoman book on my pull list. Mm-hmm. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that this is the one <clears throat> because the Innocente stuff has not been good. I forget who was writing it before that. I uh, did a Winnick. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't good either. Uh, she's had a really rough time. You've seen glimmers of her acting like herself. I believe Jeff Johns had done a really good job uh, with her. Yeah. But it was, you know, she was a player in a large group. And you got, you know, dribs and drabs and little pieces. I want somebody who has a passion for the character writing a book that is for as long as it lasts, do something really cool, show some respect Mm -hmm. for a character that has a rich history and has a really complex relationship with the hero of that Mm -hmm. Bat universe. Mm -hmm. You know, use that. Yeah, and, absolutely. You know, use it to your advantage. Write a good story. And if, if you're going to go off on her own, and Batman's not going to be a huge part of it, then just have her be in charge and have her be a really strong character with a good story and a good supporting cast. And, you know, get your art under control. Basically, pay attention to the last two years. And all the naysaying and all the shit and all the garbage that's been going around about this character and about this book, pay attention to it, heed the words, and and use that to to fuel, you know, your story. I'm not saying, like, you know, basically, I think it's important, like, we're talking about wanting to sell books and wanting people to get jazz and stuff like that. There has to be a certain degree of listening to the audience, and there's a lot of people that feel very passionately about Catwoman. I think it would behoove them to kind of heed those words and go in with a new attitude and give people the character back that they want. Because mm-hmm. they've been doing this, you know, hypersexualized sidekick Catwoman for a while, and it sucks. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to write a, main, a mainline book and that book is called Catwoman, 
have it be Catwoman and make sure that it kicks ass. Yeah, yeah. Don't do what they just did. Her, her history goes back to Batman number one, for goodness sake. <laughs> She's a great the real character. Batman number one and always been yeah. interesting and conflicted. Mm. And that I'd, thing with Batman's been going on since day one. Yeah, absolutely. So my thing, please do that. Yeah. yeah. My thing is this. When, when Catwoman comes into a story, it changes the mood. You know, there is, I forget what book it was. It was like just like a, a week or two ago. I read so many books, it gets all jumbled. But she's sitting in the Batmobile. Like he opens up the Batmobile, Batman, and she's already in there. And it's one word. She just says, meow. And that's it. That's all I needed. And all of a sudden, I was in Catwoman mode. And the whole, the panels that followed for the next two and a half pages was wonderful. Mm. It was wonderful. I wish I could remember what it was. Maybe I'll, I'll remember it for mm. next week. But, um, yeah, have respect and, you know, dig deep and make the character the important character that she has been for so long and pull her out of the fire. Mm. I'm, I'm willing to bet if we look yeah. back on it, there's probably just as many bad Catwoman books as there is good ones because uh, of the exact reason Katie was saying. I mean, Katie, yeah. are, you, are you excited to, uh, to check out this book, though? I'm going to try it. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I, have a, I have a lot of trepidation, honestly, and I'm, I'm going to try and I'm going to be hopeful um also i'm a little late to the party on this one but if you guys know people that are trying to get into dc and have been having trouble finding good things i just read joker death of the family mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that was the best thing <laughs> <laughs> and i just i i've never felt so invested in so many of the characters not just um the family but but you know, Harley's character in that was great. Uh, Catwoman in that was great. Just a lot of uh, a lot of really good stuff happening. Oh yeah, that's the that's the one that collects all of the tie-in books. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, there was a lot of good tie-ins from that. It, yeah, that's interesting that you say that. Cool. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, it's just I, I like what Mark Doyle seems to be doing there yeah which the Batgirl announcement has been so great and seems so promising that I think it, for me the excitement bleeds over into the Catwoman announcement because I feel like if we if we're trusting him with this team then this also seems like a team that he's putting together so I kind of have mm-hmm. to trust him oh I'm definitely on this one out. you know well we were sort of happy with Arkham Manor yeah and and Gotham Academy, Academy yeah mm-hmm. and now my excitement for those is amped up even further yeah following the Batgirl announcement just because it is now part of a new Absolutely, paradigm shift there. I yeah, whoosh. absolutely. And we, and we look, you know, you, you look at the way the books look now. You look at the way Gotham Academy looks. Carl Kershaw was doing yeah. beautiful art there, kind of off house style. You obviously look at Babs Tar stuff, definitely off style. I mean, even look over. I mean, it's been going on for a couple of months now. But you look at Detective, the Francis Manipal art is this gorgeous, you know, watercolory art. It's yeah. not the same as everything else. So, <clears throat> I think Doyle has done a fantastic job over there of really collecting a, a vast. Major, a vast difference of, of of creators to to come in and, and work on the stuff. You think we can get Wonder Woman under the bet? Envelope? <laughs> <laughs> Katie, um, while I have you here, yeah. What do you think about the Wonder Woman announcement? Since we 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 went nuts Bob's on hijacking this. the show, I'm for hijacking me. the show. I just need to ask this question. I we have someone with a with rafts of opinion. <laughs> Which Wonder Woman announcement? The Meredith and David Finch and his, oh, the yeah. promo artwork Sorry, that they Sorry, I forgot showed. about that. Or maybe I'm blocking it out. Okay, I think that says all we need to say almost, <laughs> but please go ahead. I think that to pretend that Wonder Woman... You know, honestly, she could have just had a really poor choice of words. 
Because like uh, like that book that you talked about, The Feminist Butt, I think mm-hmm. that there are a lot of women out there who think that the word feminist is a bad word and that, and that it doesn't just mean a woman who wants, I don't know, equal rights for women. <laughs> um, and, and there's a lot of stigma. And I get that there's a lot of stigma. And I'm willing to give her a little bit of benefit of the doubt that she just said the wrong things. That said, I, I don't. I don't know if I'm going to pick it up. Yeah, well, I'm not going to hate her forever, but <laughs> I don't. I don't well, know. I I'm willing to give her the benefit of the doubt less than what the artwork might be. I'm much more looking forward to Sensation Comics, the digital anthology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, th- that just gives them more opportunity to see a bunch of different awesome people doing the book. Yeah, you know, absolutely. it's just a cool. It's a cool format for it. Um, so I think that's all we have to say about the uh, the Thor announcement and the big shakeup. Um, at the, at the Batman side of the books. Um, thank you everybody who wrote in with their reactions. Um, we, we're at talking comics on Twitter, facebook.com slash talking comics, um, and email us podcast at talking Um, so we talked about a bunch of books that are going to be coming out, but we need to talk about the books that are out today. And I think last time I checked, it was a pretty big week. Really? I don't remember. I, it's I a, haven't. Well, it's a light week. To be I think fair, it's a moderate right? week. Yeah, I think it's a moderate, moderate week. Moderate week. I looked at the list once. We don't hear a lot of that. Uh, no. <laughs> I wasn't uh, too afraid. Ra- rat queens, though. Rat yes. queens. <laughs> Katie's like, gonna buy. Does anything four, else 40 copies of rat queens. So <laughs> Ms. I might. Oh, Ms. Marvel. All right. So from Archie Comics, we've got Archie Double Digest number two, Double Digest number two twenty five. Life with Archie. That's the Archie, big one. That's the. Uh, Spoilers. Life with Archie, number thirty-six. It was already spoiled for me. Oh, wait, it was spoiled three months ago when they talked about it. It was spoiled for me today, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Mega Man number thirty-nine, and Sonic the Hedgehog number two sixty-two. From Avatar Press, we have Cross Badlands number fifty-seven, Dicks End of Time number two, God is Dead number sixteen. From Boom Studios, we got Adventure Time number thirty, Black Market number one, Clive Barker's Next Testament number eleven of twelve. Um, we've got, we've got last broadcast number three of seven sons of anarchy, number 11 and translucid number four of six, um, from dark horse comics. We've got BPRD hell on earth. Number one, 21 brain boy, the men from gestalt number three of four, <laughs> um, eye of newt number two of four ghost number six. We've got, um, witcher number five and Witchfinder: the mysteries of unland number two. Um, from DC Comics, we have Batman Eternal number 15, Batwoman number 33. We've got um, Jeng- no, sorry, Fables number 142, Green Lantern New Guardians number 33. We've got Harley Quinn Invades Comic-Con International San Diego number one. <laughs> um, we've got Infinite Crisis Fight for the Multiverse number one, which is another... Injustice thing, right? Yeah, comic. Ba- it's not based on Justice, but it's based on their new game oh. um, that they're putting out. Um, we've got New 52, Features End, number 11. We've got Red Hood and the Outlaws, number 33. Robin Rises, Omega, number one. What is that exactly? So it is a mini series or like uh, tie, I don't know. It's like a mini series that runs through the kind of what would be Batman and Robin. That supposedly at the end of it, we will know who the, the new Robin is going to be. Oh. Uh, and they, they said it's someone who has been Robin before. That's what they said. So we'll have to see. The, I mean, the is it's, it's going to be Damien. But because that seems so obvious, I tend to think it's not going to be. But we'll have to see. Mm. We'll have to see what happens at the end of that. It's on really weird paper. Oh, really? It's it's a hefty book. Yeah. That is very light. It's sort of meringue. (laughs) (laughs) 
I've I've never heard someone describe a comic book as meringue. It's it's very white paper that's not coated. It's not slick. Oh, okay, gotcha. So Uh, I want pie. (laughs) We'll 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 go get some coffee and dessert. I need to eat something. You want to do that? (laughs) Sure. All right, right, we'll figure it out. Figure it out. Supergirl. You guys going to email me some of that pie too, though? Absolutely. Yeah. Do you have a 3D printer? Kitty? <laughs> no, but I will get one if that okay. means I get okay. pie. Yeah, get, get a MakerBot and we'll send you a. I'll get one. All right. Okay. Are, are, are you in our neck of the woods, Katie? Where do you? I, I'm in cake? Maryland. Oh. oh, so you can't come up for one of our episodes that we I'd make a cheesecake. <laughs> or something. You know what? It's three hours. I'd do it. It's not that far. Right, but we have people from Baltimore. It's true. Yeah, it's true. Bob's cheesecake is totally worth. Yeah, the three oh my god. Hours. Yeah, so, you don't even. You, you no worth the night even to do the podcast. You just come eat the cheesecake. All right. Well, <laughs> I, I did it for the Rat Queens Burlesque show, so I would certainly nice. do it for desserts. All right, we'll have to. Oh, we'll have to make something we'll happen. We'll do that. Yeah. Um, right. We got Supergirl number thirty-three. We've got um, Teen Titans number one. Speaking of controversy, <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the the other cover, the Joe Canonis yeah. cover, is gorgeous. Oh really? Yeah. I'm interested to see how it's written. I want to. I want to get. A, I'm going to be. I love the Teen Titans so much. I just want. It, I want it to be good so bad. <laughs> I want it to be good so bad. Please. Yeah. It I just want to read it, something with Red Robin that isn't shit. That's my. Uh, that's what I want. You know. <laughs> that's that's not asking for much. No. <laughs> Please. Um, so from Dynamite Entertainment, we have Army of Darkness, Ash Gets Hitched, number one. Uh, about 14 covers. There's so many covers. Um, we've got Captain Action Cat, The Time Stream, Catastrophe, <laughs> Are you number three. Fantastic. No. <laughs> well, come on. It's good, though. It's a trade, good book. Trade. Yeah. Trade. What is trade waiting? Uh, trade waiting on Captain Action Cat. <laughs> it's um, It'll be there. <laughs> Devilers, uh, number one. Uh, we've got Doodle Jump Comics, number two. Lady Zorro, number one. We've got uh, Legendary, a steampunk adventure, number five. Um, and we've got Shadow, number zero, which is a one shot. And um, that's it from Dynamite. Where was, the, was... where was the dust about Lady Zorro? <laughs> I, I, I groaned. You didn't hear it. Now, I think that Shadow, by the way, is the lead into the new Justice Inc. that's coming from them. Oh, okay. Where it's Doc Savage, Shadow, and the Avenger, who nobody knows but me. What's really funny is we had a question from Huey today. Which we didn't get to, which asked, do you ever think they'll do a shared pulp universe? Well, they did it in masks. Yeah. And they're now doing it again. Lester Dent, who wrote under the name Kenneth Robeson, created the Avenger, who's a character who couldn't be hurt, white faced, mm-hmm. sort of like the Joker, and Doc Savage. And you're throwing the shadow into this. They're owned by Street and Smith. So they're all going to be solving crimes and cool. such. Very cool. Um, IDW, we've got 24, number four, Borderlands, The Fall of Firestone, number one. Um, we've got Doberman, number one. We've got Judge Dredd, number 21, Last Fall, number one. Littlest Pet Shop, number three. Excuse me. My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, number 21. Squitter, number one, from Ben Templesmith. Um, we've got Star Trek Special, Flesh and Stone, number one. Um, we've got, let's see, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number 36, and X-Files, zero year, year <gasps> zero, number one, no Transformers. Oh, man. You're off the once, hook this week. Yeah, but once they start skipping weeks, I get <laughs> lost. Oh, well. Um, there's also the art edition of Steranko's Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. I love those, and I love that IDW does those, but A, they're too big, they don't fit on the shelf. Yeah. And they're really expensive. That wouldn't matter if they weren't $150. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, that's one of the ones I want. That yeah. and the, the Burn Fantastic Four one. Um, Maybe from, Santa will be nice to me. <laughs> from Image Comics, um, well, we have the trade paperback of Alex and Ada. Volume <gasps> 1 is out. Go buy it, people. It's wonderful. Um, Aphrodite 9, Cyberforce, number one. We've got... 
Um, burn the orphanage. Born, burn the orphanage. Reign of Terror number three. Cap'n dinosaur. <laughs> One Cap'n? shot. Cap'n. Cap'n. Like Captain, but like you know, cute. Yeah. Cap'n. Um, Cap'n. Cap'n dinosaur. We've got Dark Engine number one, Manifest Destiny number eight, Rat Queens number seven. <gasps> uh, <laughs> we've got Stray Bullets Killers number five, Umbral number seven, The Wicked and the Divine number two, and Wildfire number two. Very excited about Wicked and the Divine. Mm-hmm. We need to have a Wicked and Divine Dazzler crossover. <laughs> that would be good. <laughs> um, throw in Lestat from the later interview the vampire oh, yeah. cuz he's a rock star some townsend exactly yes yeah, some Stuart townsend <laughs> um marvel comics we've got 100th anniversary special x-men number 1 um all new x factor number 11 we've got avengers world number 9 um we've got let's see oh well we got the first trade paperback of black widow comes out so you guys are missing out on that series you can check that out electra number 4 We've got, um, man, a lot of second printings this week. Um, so many that it's tough to read this list. Uh, Magneto, number seven. We've got uh, Ms. Marvel, number six. Nova, number 19. Original Sin, number 3.2. Original Sin, number six. We've got Savage Hulk, number two. Savage Wolverine, number 21. Secret Avengers, number five. She-Hulk, number six. Silver Surfer, number four. Thunderbolts, number 28. Ultimate FF, number four. Uncanny X-Men number 23 and X-Men number 16. Uh, from Oni Press, we have Ator number five and Princess Ugg number two. Um, let's see. From Valiant, we've got Harbinger number 25 and Unity number nine. And from Zenoscope Entertainment, we have Grim Fairy Tales number 100. And that's all the books that are on the shelves. Hooray. See, a moderate week. Moderate week. I oh, know Steve, Steve Loss couldn't count anymore. So. I could, I'm really hungry. I, <laughs> whenever I get hungry, I lose all control. <laughs> Um, make sure you guys, if you guys can check out the, uh, the family of talking comics podcasts. Um, we course, of course at talking comics, which you're listening to right now, we've got talking movies with Brian Verderosa and Chris Oliphant. They did, um, slap shot this week, yep. uh, doing R rated comedies leading up to doing sex tape, the new uh, Jason nice. Seagal, Cameron Diaz movie. Um, we also got talking games hosted by our very own Steve say indeed. And this week we are doing a, Best of the Last Generation podcast. So that is PS3, Xbox 360, and the Nintendo Wii best games. So that'll be up th- uh, Thursday at noon. And I, um, I nearly bought you a book today. I was in the comic store. Teasing you. Look, he's like, I almost got you a present. Well, I, don't you. Think you I almost did something really nice to you, and then I took it away. Because I don't think you'd want it eventually. It's, Marvel had a game mag, a comic book in the 80s called Blip. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was reviewing ColecoVision. Oh, I love ColecoVision. Um, I'll pick it up next time I'm in this store. <laughs> right. um, and also uh, our Talking Valiant podcast. Yes. So yes. By Adam Shaw. So they just had their fifth episode Fifth going? episode, yeah. Wow. They interviewed Fred Van Lent a couple weeks ago. Ooh. Um, wow. Obviously a big Valiant writer, and they are attempting to get some other guests on the air as well as more Valiant writers. So, Sweet. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's a big announcement, too, big for them, because um, they just announced that The Valiant with uh, Jeff Lemire um, yeah. during the Valiant wow. book. Yeah. Yeah. So big announcement that that was part of Jeff Lemire's exclusivity with DC what uh, ran out this like couple weeks ago so that's why that creator book got announced and then the Valiant book got announced as well so <clears throat> we'll see what else comes from from that but big for the summer another big summer of Valiant this this uh this year um and uh Katie why don't you tell people where they can listen and read your stuff oh I'm on end of the universe comics.com and I actually did just also um do a guest article on comics bulletin about the wicked and the divine. So oh, if awesome. you guys are all wondering who the gods are and where they come from, 
I did a little bit of world religion uh, research. Awesome. Awesome. Um, If you email me that link, I'll I'll put it in the show notes. Okay, cool. Check check that out. Um, And uh, you guys do a podcast as well, right? Yep, we do. End of the universe comics.com. You can find us there. We do a lot of creator interviews. Awesome. Awesome. And do you guys have an iTunes feed or anything? Yep. We're on iTunes and we're on Stitcher. All right. Awesome. Awesome. So definitely check that out if you guys um, like what Katie does and you guys should because she is awesome. So um, if you guys want to get to this personally, I am at Bobby Shortle on Twitter. Steve. I am at dead underscore anchorus. Katie, your email, your email, your, I, your, my brain is gone (laughs) too long. I've been talking for too long. Your Twitter handle. I'm at E-O-T-U comics. All right. And Bob, your email address. I'm just trying. End of the universe. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bob Ryer, talkingcomicbooks.com. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much um, for joining us on the show. Um, we'll be back next week with some other fun stuff. Bob, I know. I already know what you're going to say, Bob, because I meant to say it earlier. <laughs> I already What's know. Um, we have a birthday to talk about, right? Is that what you're going to talk about? No. Oh, really? But I can. Yeah. Well, I was going to talk about well, Kelly Sue, uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick's birthday. Yeah. The Tuesday yeah. we're recording this. Um, I, so I want. I meant to say it before, actually. Um, happy birthday to Kelly Sue, who obviously has been is an incredibly generous, wonderful person, and a, and a hugely talented writer who has been incredibly generous to us on this it's show true. and appearing on our show and being absolutely. It's been amazing. So. Um, thank you to Kelly Sue and happy happy birthday. birthday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Bob, what did you want to say? Well, it was you surprised it, me because it, it, it is related to that. Okay. Would have, would have gone there eventually. Uh, I saw something on her Tumblr page, and for those of us who go to conventions in the Northeast, it's a girl named Deb who's the mistress of River, the cosplaying dog who you see okay, dressed yeah. as Captain oh, yeah. America and Captain Marvel. Well, she's had a, a pretty severe downturn in her health and is oh, feeling no. pretty badly about things, and so. On on my Bob's Your Uncle thread, there's a little picture there of River and the link to Kelly Sue's thread so you can send messages to her and uh, okay. get her feel better. Apparently, she's had a lot of response already, and it's making a difference. So if we awesome. can do some little bit for somebody who needs us, well, what the heck? That's what we're here for. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Nice. Absolutely. Also, um, related to Kelly Sue's birthday, if you go to Matt Fraction's... Uh, Twitter feed, he's got a girls' leadership link that if you want to give Kelly Sue a present, you should go there and donate to the girls' leadership fund. Oh, wow. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. His Twitter feed would butt stuff werewolf. Butt stuff werewolf. werewolf, yeah. Bob, may- can you say that again, please? <laughs> sure. Butt stuff werewolf. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> it's so funny because that's like his name, but it, like his actual Twitter name is like at Matt Fraction, but he yeah. just, yeah. He, his actual mm-hmm. title, he, he, he changed it for a while, but he's been sticking with butt stuff werewolf for a long time. And it got like when they when they that all that hubbub happened with the saga thing, and they were quoting it like in like New York Times yeah, and stuff. Yeah. It had butt stuff werewolf as one of the <laughs> things, which was which was pretty amazing. That's a pretty amazing. It's a win right there. I love it. Um, is, that, is that come from Henry Leo? Maybe is it? I have no idea. I think Henry that... Leo has his own Twitter. Yeah, what? he does. Yeah, yeah he does. Yeah, yeah. It's hysterical. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so that's gonna do it for talking comics okay. for this week. For Steve, I like pie. Katie, hi. And Bob. Thanks for coming on, Katie. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued.